listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, yes, living the dream once again on a fabulous Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ornberger. Where have you heard that before? Hartman and Ornberger in the Fox Sports Radio studios in the midst of a 19-day consecutive run of two guys on the radio together without a break. That's right. That's right. This feels like... I don't know, like an MTV reality show mm-hmm. from back in the uh, late 90s where they're like, can these two radio show hosts, <laughs> can they make it when we lock them into a room and force them to speak to each other for three or four hours a day for a month straight? It's Groundhog's Day. It just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, well, we couldn't be happier because we do have, once again, a very, very busy day in the world of sports. All eyes are on the final run to get to the sweet. Sweet 16, eight games going on today. Right now, the five-seed Houston leading the four-seed Illinois in the south region, 29-23, as we're about to go to the half. So we'll keep you updated on all the games. Next up will be Ohio State-Villanova. And then a game where we'll definitely talk about Michigan State and Duke, Izzo and Coach K. Can Coach K keep the dream alive in its final run at Duke? And his old adversary, Tom Izzo, standing in the way. Just, just, just. Just a quick note on that game, uh, and we'll talk much uh, more about this matchup a little bit later on, but these two coaches combined have 20 Final Fours. Wow. Eight for Izzo, 12 for Coach K. I mean, 20 Final Fours. So we're talking about two Hall of Fame coaches, two of the all-time legends in college basketball matched up today in a must-watch game. All right, a lot of things to cover today. Uh, Once again, we're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. No one does sports like Vegas, and the excitement is endless. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. All right, a little update on the brackets right now. And, uh, Rich, uh, I guess you're done. Just like that. Tennessee goes down in flames. By the way, did you um, did you happen to see uh, Candace Parker, Tennessee legend, uh, on, on her TV head, uh, like literally saying, I can't believe we lost to Michigan. I can't believe we Lost to Michigan. She is one of the all-time Tennessee basketball legends. Uh, you went out on the limb. Tennessee was a hot pick. A lot of people went with Tennessee. Thought they were one of those teams that should have been on the two-line. I thought they should have been on the two-line after winning the SEC. They were dropped to a three. But to go down to a number 11 seed, and by the way, a controversial team. Remember, Jawan Howard got suspended. The team unraveled. I mean, they barely crawled into this tournament as an 11 seed. Some people thought if they were on the bubble, maybe they should be penalized for what went down in that altercation between Coach Guard of Wisconsin, Coach Howard of Michigan. They did get the invite, and now they're heading to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty unbelievable how this works, right? I mean, that's the reason why nobody's ever had a perfect bracket before <laughs> yeah. because you just you just don't know until you watch it all shake out. And it's the beauty of sport, but especially single elimination sport. I've said this about baseball and the NBA for years and years and years. If the postseason was single elimination, they would get the same numbers that the NFL commands in the postseason. I, I guarantee it. I would guarantee it. The reason 
why March Madness is so unbelievably popular is because these players, whether or not they have three tomorrows or zero, they play their guts out. And it's because they know if you don't, you're going to have regret. You know, in a series, I, I mean, I'll, I'll point to one uh, Western Conference final game. And this was from 2018, I want to say, where the Rockets and the Golden State Warriors were facing each other. If I have this game correct, there was a point where the Rockets got beat by 40. Something ridiculous. We, we should look it up because it was an absolute uh, uh, disaster. It was a disgrace. And it was because the, they just stopped playing. They, they knew they lost, and instead of trying to gut it out and win, they, they just, ah, well, whatever. There's always tomorrow. When you have a seven-game series, yeah, there is tomorrow. When you have a game, when you have a bracket like this where you win or you go home, you try until the very last minute. I mean, Baylor was down 25 points to UNC. If they were the, the Houston Rockets, they would have quit. Because they would have known they have a tomorrow, but they didn't have a tomorrow. So they came all the way back with the final 10 minutes of that game, pushed it to overtime, and somehow the Tar Heels hung on. But holy cow, it was drama from from the moment that ejection occurred all the way until the last whistle of that game. They battled. That's the reason why this is so special. Peacocks! St. Peter's. They move on. They knock out Murray State, who had the longest running winning streak in the country, 21 straight games. Murray State had the best record of any team that was in the tournament, 31-2. and And St. Peter's becomes just the third 15 seed ever to get to the Sweet 16. No 16 seed has ever done it. Well, only one 16 seed is one in the first round. But only three 15 seeds have ever made it to the Sweet 16 Add St. Peter's to that list. And this is, again, the the marvelous thing about this, especially if you're a UCLA fan like me. Mm. Now, uh, that region that UCLA is in, now, as you know, I'm not going to lie, I picked St. Mary's to knock out UCLA in my brackets. I told you, Rich, during the week, maybe a little reverse psychology. Early on, it was I think UCLA was down seven, and I was like, you see, I told you, St. Mary's is going to handle it. And then there was like a timeout, and Mick Crona just dropped the hammer on his UCLA team saying, play some defense. Next thing you know, St. Mary's misses their next 11 shots, and that was it. UCLA took over the game from that point. But if you look at that region, Baylor gets knocked out by North Carolina in that game you just talked about. The number 2 seed, Kentucky, already out of that region. So that leaves UCLA a 4 versus North Carolina an 8. And then you got the number 15 seed, St. Peter's, is going to be playing the winner today of the matchup between the three seed, Purdue, and the six seed, Texas. So these are the crazy things that can happen. When you're filling out a bracket, you're looking at matchups, right? You're like, okay, they're going to play them, most likely. And then all of a sudden, you're throwing a curveball. Like, well, I didn't expect that team to be there. Right. And that changes the whole dynamic of a region. And this is what happened last year with UCLA, how they went from the first four to the final four. There were a couple of hiccups along the way that made that gate open for them. So this is the beauty of it. I mean, I can't get enough. I mean, yeah. It doesn't matter. We don't even know these teams. Seriously. 99.99999% of people that fill out brackets do not know anything about any of these teams. Well, what's amazing is I read um, a headline, which I think was perfect in the summation of what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Cinderella lives in New Jersey. And <laughs> I was like, 
Oh my gosh, that's where St. Peter's is. <laughs> yeah. I, I still had no idea. I've watched this team now win. Doesn't two it feel games. like every state has a St. Peter's? Oh yeah, every every state has one. And by the way, right. I want to say this is only the fourth time a Jesuit team has made it to a Sweet Sixteen. Amazing. I may have that stat wrong. But how many like, how many students do they have there? Two, uh, two, two thousand and some odd. Two change. thousand students, undergraduate, unbelievable. and then they have less than a thousand in their graduate programs. I mean, regardless of what happens from this point forward, they've made history, just like Florida Gulf Coast did when they became the first fifteen seed. And Andy Enfield, of course, parlay that into a job at USC, a job that he still has, and a huge payday. Uh, but, uh, I mean, this is this is the beauty of all this right now with a 15C. By the way, remember this, when you, when you make out your brackets in the future, okay, this is now the 14th consecutive year, because remember, Michigan was also a double-digit seed. 14 consecutive years now that a double-digit seed has made it to the Sweet 16. So when you're filling out your brackets, you got to look at all those double-digit yep. seeds and say, yep. one of these teams Find for sure favorite. is going to get not just past the first round, they're going to get past the second round and get into the Sweet 16. That is an amazing stat. Another stat that I thought was amazing, as, lo- as long as we're just geeking out on stats, is it was something like nationally, mm-hmm. across all networks and all brackets, 0.29% of brackets had St. Peter's <laughs> in the Sweet 16. You know, it gives you a perfect example of what double-digit seed is going to be there. You don't know. Right. But you certainly didn't expect the tiny <laughs> Jesuit school out of New Jersey Never. taking down number two Kentucky and then advancing through the round of 32 to get to the Sweet 16. It just doesn't make sense. But here we are. Again, this is the reason why single elimination is so enthralling. It's the reason why it works so well. It's the reason why winner takes all makes sport more urgent, makes it more viewership friendly makes it more important to the fans you see better games that way guys playing through horrific injuries you know you see a guy leave a court for a couple of minutes during the most important game of his life he comes back in they say hey what happened well you know he turned his ankle backwards but the trainer was able to turn it right side forward and then tape him up he's back on the court you wouldn't see that in the NBA unless it were the finals unless maybe it was the finals game seven it it just makes it so much more important that's the reason why it's so magical what we're getting to see is what happens when all the chips are on the line it's high limits poker baby and and they're all in every single game it's awesome Houston, a Final Four team a year ago, leading Illinois 30-26 to at the half. By the way, Houston's record this year when leading at halftime, 29-2. and So Ooh. Kevin Sampson and the uh, Cougs They're in closers. pretty good shape uh, right now, leading Illinois at the half, 30-26. to All right, so we'll update you all day long. Get your thoughts on the Sweet 16. We're only eight games away from figuring out which 16 teams will actually be there. And obviously, we got a lot of breaking news around Major League Baseball and the NFL. In fact, on the other side, my partner here, Rich Orenberger, put out a tweet yesterday, and we sort of have an update on this. There's a 400-pound gorilla in the room that not a lot of people are paying attention to. We'll explain coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Orenberger, Fox Sports Sunday. All right, March Madness continues So does the madness around Major League Baseball and the NFL as they're gobbling up talent. And, of course, the biggest story out of the NFL has been the quarterback carousel. 
that really got interesting with the Cleveland Browns making a deal to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, by the way, before we get to the tweet that you put out, Rich, because there is a huge story looming moving forward for the Browns organization, some of the details on the fully guaranteed $230 million deal for Deshaun Watson have come out. And it reads like this very briefly. He got a signing bonus fully guaranteed right out of the box of nearly $45 million. His base salary for 2022 is $1 million. Yep. 23 through 26, fully guaranteed 46 million. Now, what does this mean? Well, if a suspension is going to happen in 2022, he's only going to lose $60,000 per game because his salary is only a million dollars. And if they were to postpone the suspension to another year, they can restructure the deal where the cost to him, the amount of money he's losing, is not going to be in any way a major impact on his bank account, considering how large his bank account already is. So those are some of the details about his contract and how Cleveland is pulling this out. But you put out a tweet yesterday that was and is getting a lot of reaction. I want to do a follow-up on that. This is what Rich put out on uh, Twitter. He said, Calvin Ridley bet on his team to win with an NFL partner sportsbook. One-year suspension. Deshaun Watson is actively facing 22 civil suits of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. Fully guaranteed, five-year, $230 million contract. And the Haslam brothers are already addressing this situation, talking about moving forward, moving yep. forward, Rich, yep. on this entire Deshaun Watson matter uh, and how insensitive they are to the uh, serious accusations being made against their new quarterback. So I want to give you a, your thoughts, follow-up, uh, following your tweet, the response you've gotten to it, and now what the Haslam brothers have said publicly about the deal they made to bring in Deshaun Watson as, let's face it, the face of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, D and Jimmy Haslam. I want to read an excerpt real quick from this. If anybody who's listening hasn't seen this yet, Deshaun, um, they met with Deshaun to have straightforward dialogue, discuss priorities, and hear directly from him on how he wants to approach his career on and off the field. He was humble, sincere, and candid in our conversations. Deshaun detailed his commitment to leading our team and understands and embraces the hard work needed to build his name both in the community and on the field. I mean, that's great, but let's face it, he's still going through it. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely in the camp of um, – second chances like if 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 you want to look at the legal system for example and i know he hasn't been criminally charged but anybody who in this country is criminally charged and then uh, prosecuted and convicted and they spend time in jail or under house arrest or they're forced to do community service the goal is for them on the other side of the punishment to be changed people to understand the error of their path and to correct it. I mean, so far, and I'm not going to admonish somebody who hasn't been charged of anything criminally. I'm not going to admonish someone who hasn't necessarily been uh, found guilty of anything even civilly yet. But we don't know. 
Like Jimmy and D Haslam, did they speak to any of the twenty-two or the twenty-two uh, women accusing Deshaun of sexual misconduct or sexual assault? How comprehensive was this research they did into his background? Did they speak to the opposing legal team? You know, did did they speak to the 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 defense? Uh, the the legal counsel of any of these 22 uh, women who are accusing him of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. You know, so if, if anything, this doesn't feel comprehensive. This feels very selective. They spoke to Deshaun. Deshaun is looking to move forward. Shocking. Shocking. You just gave Deshaun $46 million guaranteed and you helped him out so that if he is suspended, that if he is punished for any reason by the NFL, if their investigation, depending on how comprehensive the NFL's investigation of Deshaun Watson is, they find him guilty of anything that they deem um, that he should be punished for, you've softened the landing for him so that he'll only be punished $60,000 per game as opposed to millions and millions of dollars. Now, listen, is this contract completely atypical compared to other contracts we see signed in the league? No, because a lot of times you pay a huge amount of guarantees in the front of a contract. This way it takes the cap burden down in year one. And then as we know, the NFL salary cap rises every single year. So whatever your base salary is moving forward won't affect the cap from a percentage standpoint to, um, to the same amount that it would in year one of your deal. I understand all of that. But let's not pretend like Deshaun Watson has been punished yet. He was paid his full salary last year while he didn't play football and risk any sort of injury for the Houston Texans. He forced his way out of Houston. Houston got some draft picks back in a huge haul for Deshaun Watson, but I'm sure they would have loved if this off-the-field stuff didn't happen, if he wasn't tantruming over wanting out of Houston to have him as their starting quarterback. But he moves on to Cleveland, and they're saying, hey, he's looking to be a, a, a model American and a great man of the community now? Well, that's great. But can we see how all this plays out civilly before we get there? Well, and keep in mind this. When they say that uh, Deshaun Watson was forthcoming and everything else, Deshaun Watson, to this day, has denied any wrongdoing. And his, his attorney, Rusty Hardin, has said that any sexual acts that happened during these massage appointments was consensual. With all 22 women, if they're accusing him, all consensual. Look, we've been down this path with the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, with the Bill Cosbys of the world. You know, it all still came down to he said, she said. And we saw how that all played out. Um, the idea that somehow he's been cleared of any criminal charges, well, in Houston he has. But these women came from all over the country. They crossed state lines. And depending on what happens and comes out of these civil suits, it is very possible that federal prosecutors may have new charges against Deshaun Watson. But regardless of the legality of all of this, he is now the face of your team. Yep. And this is something from a PR standpoint. This is not like the Michael Vick situation where Michael Vick went to prison, came out of prison, and admit that he did wrong and was completely remorseful and even paid back whatever charges, every penny of it. I mean, Michael Vick did everything right in order to try to reestablish his name. Again, Deshaun Watson has not 
said anything that he's done wrong. Nothing. There may have been sexual acts. Everything was consensual. So this is still looming right now with these civil suits. And moving forward, this is something that the Cleveland Browns have tied themselves to. They've given a fully guaranteed contract, and they're married to him. So we'll see yeah. how this all plays out. But it's it seems amazing because what happened, remember this. So remember we had heard Cleveland was out, and then it was down to Atlanta and New Orleans uh, because Carolina dropped out because they wouldn't fully guarantee the deal. The only way Cleveland got back in is they just said, fine, we're going to guarantee the whole thing. Five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. And all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson's like, I love Cleveland. And oh, um, by the way, I, I also think that if it weren't for Cleveland coming over the top with a third first rounder, I'm not completely entirely mm-hmm. convinced that the Falcons, the Saints, or the Carolina Panthers were willing to move that much draft capital for a guy who has a potential, as you mentioned, because this is not over yet, another legal situation from a criminal standpoint looming in the in the not-too-distant future, potentially. Because again, this could be federal charges could yes. be brought up uh, against Deshaun Watson. Look, here's here's the the black and white of this, right? You know, if you want to get to if you want to distill this down to exactly what this is. Cleveland is a business. Mm-hmm. I should say the Browns are a business. The city of Cleveland's a city. The Browns are a business. They're in the business of winning football games because the more football games you win, the more fans show up, the more concessions you sell, the more season ticket packages you sell, the more jerseys you sell, the more the, the higher revenue you get in advertising with your local and, and national uh, uh, brand. It, it, it brings the world's attention to your doorstep the better you do in this game especially because the NFL is king in this country and elsewhere as well so you you want to win that that's all this is about don't try to act like you had this come to jesus moment with Deshaun watson and you really trust him that's not what it's about if you trusted him you wouldn't have to do any sort of funny business with his contract you wouldn't have to worry about any of that you wouldn't have had to done that for Deshaun if he felt he was 100 percent innocent they, like that none of that would have had to happen i mean Deshaun watson let's be very honest Deshaun Watson, if there was no legal matters hanging over his head, he could have been gone for four first-rounders, potentially. I wouldn't put that past it. So it's like we're all obscuring the fact that this isn't this wasn't a move made by Cleveland because they felt so impassioned by the moral circumstances surrounding Deshaun Watson. They think that he can help them win. Maybe not early this season because he may have to, to be suspended. But long-term? Over the next bunch of seasons, they're thinking they got a winner in Deshaun Watson. And they know in the NFL, as bad as it ever gets for certain players, especially when it comes to violence or sexual misconduct against women, as long as you win for your new team, a lot of people forget about that. And they cannot wait to draft you in fantasy football. It's just ironic, of course, that they want to turn the page on Baker Mayfield because he wasn't worth the trouble. But apparently Deshaun Watson is. We'll see how this all plays out. All right, uh, right now we got to find out what's trending as we welcome aboard the legend himself, Mr. David Gascon. How are yeah. you today, David? Not good, man. Another weekend has gone by and uh, another weekend that uh, Iowa Sam has not provided me with <laughs> breakfast burritos. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I the made homemade continue. breakfast burritos. 
I didn't receive any. I know. I was going to actually make some for the crew, and then I was like, this is taking right, How about you time. not bring it up because you did it and didn't bring anything in for anybody? Yeah. How about that? Uh, next time. How next about time. that? Next yeah. time. Oh, By the way, I wish it, uh, we were a little closer Jump. in vicinity to what uh, Rich and I believe are as good a breakfast burrito as exists on the oh, planet. Listen, wow. Listen, we can go down the oh. five freeway if you'd like. Wow. I yeah. mean. I mean, it is. <laughs> you should have seen Rich with this breakfast. Last time we had one of these breakfast burritos. Um... He chomped this thing down in uh, – he actually beat me, and I'm a fast eater. Yeah. But, Rich, you unleashed on that one. I looked like a monitor lizard. Yeah, it was one of those – Get out of my one way. Bite, and then you take the Madonna. second bite long before the first bite is taken place. Where in San Diego did you get it? It's a place called Lupe's. Yeah. Uh, it's in uh, Kearney down oh, there, Kearney right, a, right across uh, from Kearney High School down there. Oh, man. And um, – and they're they're custom made. You can have anything in them, but I'll put it this way: you you have to wait a little bit because they put the extra effort into it. Yeah, it's good. And I it's mean, uh, I ordered the Olympian because I'm an athlete. That's yes. what they call this breakfast burrito. And yeah. I'll tell you what: it was a Herculean effort to oh, knock yeah. that thing down. They are large, David. Yes. Large, and they will fill you up for a long time. I'm looking forward to it next time. Oh, yeah, down to San Diego. Yeah. yeah, good place. Now, I'm still waiting though for Sam to deliver something. Oh yeah, that yeah. yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Guys, uh, Houston, Illinois right now. Second half action. Cougars up by three at the free throw line. 33-30 to 30 is a score in this one. There's about 17 minutes to play in regulation. That affair. Not the only game in town, though, because you got Ohio State and Villanova that's on deck. Michigan State and Duke later on today, along with Iowa State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Texas Tech. The nightcap will feature a top seed Arizona. They get TCU. Tip-off time is at 940 Eastern. Uh, obviously, these teams vying for a spot in the Sweet 16. Steve, your your Bruins yes. are not baby Bruins. They continue to climb the ladder. Mm. So well, my, my attitude is always about UCLA, and I was just talking to Bucky Brooks, the North Carolina kid over here. That's right. Um, it, when you're when you're at a school like that, um, to me, if UCLA doesn't get to the Sweet 16, it's like they were never in the tournament. It's true. Um, so it counts. It only counts to me at UCLA if you get to the Sweet 16. And, you know, Mick Cronin is now 7-1 and one as the UCLA coach in the NCAA tournament. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty I mean, impressive. And people were, I don't know, condemning but just criticizing UCLA for bringing him in. Well, he didn't have a lot of success in the tournament at Cincinnati. I only think yeah. he made it to one Sweet 16 ever. But so his tournament record was bad at Cincinnati, but – Right now, he's pushing all the right buttons at UCLA. Dude's locked in. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, NBA today won't start for another two hours from now. Fred Van Fleet's not playing today for the Toronto Raptors against the 76ers. Uh, National Football League, Corton Sutton restructured his contract with the Denver Broncos. It saves up almost $8 million in cap space. Trevor Story gets a six-year deal from the Boston Red Sox. Six years and $140 million. Mm. Pretty nice. Uh, Did Mm. you guys hear about some of this stuff with David Ortiz? No, what do you got? A PI hired by him uh, determined that a Dominican Republic drug kingpin was responsible for the hit on him that wounded him when he was shot a couple years well, ago. Well, wasn't he? Uh, they thought he was a, a victim of a mistaken identity. Yeah. That was the original report is that they shot him thinking he was somebody else. Yeah. But now yeah. they're saying he was the target? Yeah, he was the target. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. They still have video of that, him being shot. I remember shot. that. Oh, it was yeah. in an open-air restaurant, and it's amazing that he survived that. So they were targeting Ortiz. That is yeah. insanity, I mean, man. Yeah. yeah. Sam, uh, I expect better from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I shouldn't, no. but I do. I'll, uh, someday I will uh, come in here like Santa Claus with a 
bag full of breakfast burritos. Well, you got the belly. You're them. halfway there. Yeah, oh, thanks. Wow. Thanks. Just I just got to work on the, uh, the, the beard. beard. It's yeah. just a full-on right. assault. I mean, right it's, it really Trying is. I'm saying uh, morbidly obese like now. Santa I'm not saying you're morbidly obese, just carb loading. <laughs> no, yeah. he's fine. He's yeah. fine. He's just, fine. Hey, I walk like five miles a day, right? Uh, we Lay still off. love you, Sam, no matter what. <laughs> Lay off me. I'm starving. Uh, all right, David. Thank you very much. Uh, by the way, if cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed. Indeed.com slash credit. And speaking of Indeed, with the tournament in full gear, be sure to check out the Bracket Challenge standings at FoxSportsRadio.com for Fox Sports Radio's million-dollar Bracket Challenge powered by Indeed. Uh, historic night last night in the NBA is LeBron James past Carl Malone, number two all-time on the scoring list. It was also a typical game for the Lakers. LeBron had a huge game, 38 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, doing his remarkable things, and the Lakers blew a 16-point lead and lost to the Wizards as they're now only a half game ahead of the Pelicans for the 10 slot uh, in wow. the Western Conference. So they're just barely trying to stay alive uh, as far as the playing is concerned. But here we are with 37-year-old LeBron James in his 19th season the NBA. Plus you add all his postseason games. That's the equivalent of three additional years in the NBA. And right now it's a battle between he, Embiid, and Giannis for the NBA scoring championship. They're within like two-tenths of a point right now battling down the stretch. I know we've done this in the past, but every once in a while, you do have to pause. Uh, and I'm watching LeBron in this game. He came out on fire. Like, you know, some people thought maybe he'd hold off till they get back to uh, Crypto.com Arena. Now uh, the former Staples Center might do it in front of the home fans. I have a sense next year he'll do that when he uh, uh, enters a position to pass Kareem as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. But I'm just watching this guy athletically again. And, and again, you I, I just got to take a step back. I mean, this guy, does this guy look like a guy that's logged the equivalent of 22 seasons in the NBA? No. The answer is no. And, and it really comes down to, with all the hundreds of millions of dollars that this guy has made playing the game, endorsement deals and everything else, his commitment to the game, just like Tom Brady, another GOAT candidate, is unwavering and you just you have to wonder again what it is that drives these guys right um because he has nothing to prove his legacy is what it is the arguments are always going to go back jordan lebron jordan lebron he knows he can't win that if you're sold that michael is the greatest of all time nothing's going to change your mind uh lebron can only do what he can do but his unwavering commitment, especially on a team that's going nowhere this year. They're playing out the string is something that has to be admired. I, I don't know, but I just, I mean, have I been in lockstep with everything LeBron has done? No. But when I just take it for what he does on the basketball court, I, I'm his biggest fan. I, it just blows my mind. Yeah, I, I think what's what's often missing in the narrative about LeBron James is how much pressure there was on LeBron James since he was a child uh, to become what he's become. I mean, and I do mean child. Like, I'm not talking about since he was the cover of Sports Illustrated. Before that, when he was playing high school basketball, anybody who understands the AAU circuit, who understands high school basketball and the pressures that come with being a star at that level, a four- or five-star recruit or potentially an NBA pro right out of high school hoops uh, back then – 
It's immense. You have the world coming to your front door telling you you're great. Sign with this shoe deal. Do this. Try these endorsements. This guy has somehow found a way to be the face of basketball essentially since he was 16 years old or, or being groomed to be the face of basketball. And he made good on all of it. We know based on being a, the cover of Sports Illustrated as an 18-year-old, if he wasn't a Hall of Famer, it, it, it would have been considered a bust. You know, if he was just a really talented two guard in this league, you know what I mean? Like if, it, if he ended up just being a really nice player who transitioned into a spot shooter in his later years and was just a nice player, it would have, people would have went back and went, you remember the buzz around LeBron James when he was coming into league? Yeah, what happened to him? No, he had a good career. It would have been a bust. This guy had to be a Hall of Famer. He had to be a game changer for him to make good on all of this. Imagine that pressure. At 16, 17, 18 years old, I'm with you, Steve. I know there are a lot of things people get hung up on off the court, social media, social stances, political views, whatever. But from a pure basketball standpoint, there has been nobody who has ever been exposed to this much pressure that soon in life who's ever accomplished so much in his sport. Well, Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Michael Jordan was relatively I'll anonymous give you one, while he I'll was give a tar heel. Tiger Woods. Tiger okay. Woods, okay, yeah. that, that's yeah. the only yeah. comparable. Yeah. You know, that's and fair. by the way, Amani uh, Bates, okay? Now, you remember this, Amani Bates, uh, the, the the basketball player coming off his sophomore year of high school, yeah. Sports Illustrated cover at the age of 15. He was billed, everybody billed him as the next LeBron James. His junior, he transferred to a different high school, didn't play quite as well, skipped his senior year of high school. He went to Memphis. Uh, he didn't play much at all this year at Memphis. He has another year because age-wise, he's still not eligible for the NBA draft. He may still have a phenomenal career, but we talk about the pressures on someone that young. And when I think of LeBron and when I think of Tiger, when yep. I think of the Williams sisters, That's where they got too. A, where they got all this attention at an extremely young age as the next it thing, and somehow fulfilled that promise. It is so rare. It takes I don't know what it, the mindset of, of 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 a child having to deal with those kind of pressures and carry it on and succeeding in adulthood. It's mind blowing to me. It's very rare. LeBron is in that very select class. And, uh, you know, whatever you have to say about LeBron, whether you root for him or root against him, you have to give him that. You yeah. have to give him that. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it, it's not doing sports justice. If you're a sports fan, you're not doing yourself a justice. If you don't admit, at, at very least, if you don't want to say he's the greatest of all time, I have no qualms with that. Jordan was sensational. I lived through that era, too. And it was, I mean, I had, I grew up in New York. I had Chicago Bulls bedspreads. The Knicks. Sure. The Knicks were rivals, fierce rivals of the Bulls during that era. Yeah, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Anthony Mason, you know, the crew, like, uh, 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 Pat Riley was the head coach. I mean, I was surrounded by Knicks fans. I couldn't keep my eyes off of Jordan. In my opinion, LeBron's the GOAT. I, and I don't care to have that debate today or really any day, frankly. Whoever you think is the GOAT is beside the point. LeBron's greatness cannot be understated. And we're witnessing history with every basketball game this man plays. All right, coming up on the other side, again, we're hopscotching. That's what we do because there's news going on across the board, including Major League Baseball. The latest coming up next. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. 
We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. All right, we got a lot of March Madness to get to, but I wanted to get to a quick uh, Major League Baseball story. Yeah, what do you got? All right, so last year the Atlanta Braves appeared to be going nowhere after Acuna had his season-ending injury. And they got to the trade deadline, and they made four acquisitions that no one was talking about at the time. I mean, it was just, you know, the, the Braves were irrelevant. They were below 500. It just seemed like you lost your best player, the season was over. They got four guys. They got Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, and Eddie Rosario. They are now known as the Four Horsemen. But hmm. to talk about how a guy's fortunes can change in one week, look at Soler. So Soler, of those four guys, who they, by the way, gave up a minor league pitcher. That was it. Straight up, a minor league pitcher who, by the way, still has yet to appear in the major leagues. For a guy who in 2019 had 48 home runs, led the American League that year with Kansas City. During the uh, COVID-shortened season, he hit 228. He was hitting under 200 when the Royals dealt him for that minor league pitcher. He ends up the World Series MVP. I know. And now he gets a three-year, $36 million deal with the Marlins. And to make the deal even sweeter... He's got opt-outs the first two years. So even like if he has a good year, he can opt out for even more money. He barely played in the National League Championship Series, but in the World Series, he ends up three home runs. He has an incredible series, is named the Series MVP, and he cashes in. I think this is something a little unique to baseball. Right? Yeah. I mean, you guys have these hitchers and hitters, they seem to come and go. Yeah, you got the great stars consistent year in, year out. But there's a lot of players out there, Rich. Like one year they're good, then they're bad. Maybe they stay bad, but maybe they become good again. And in the case of Soler, a good week just made him $36 million guaranteed. Not bad. Well, I will say this. It does happen in other sports if you pay close enough attention, right? Carson Palmer felt like he was left for dead after his visit to Oakland and the ACL injury goes to Arizona, and he has a rejuvenation with the Cardinals. Um, you know, Kurt Warner is another example of a story like that. You know, the guys come out of nowhere occasionally, and even later in their career can have a rebirth and rebrand themselves as a great of the game. You know, Solaire, I don't know how old – is how, how old is Soler? I Soler don't is 30 years old. He just turned okay. 30. Yeah, he's got some years left. I oh, mean, yeah. he's 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 getting close. I mean, look, he's got more yesterday's logs than tomorrow's probably, but he's got some years left in his prime. I mean, this could be the start of the story of his career. You know, because this is uh, th- this is this is one of those things. Sometimes a player just needs an opportunity to showcase his talent when all the pressure's on, and they rise to that challenge. You know, I, I that's why I love the postseason. I love the postseason in every sport. I mean, I have my problems with Major League Baseball's postseason and the NBA's postseason. I don't think series make for great postseason play. I like single elimination better, but. Even then, we see magic. And postseason ba- baseball is special, especially when you get to the World Series. And he made a name for himself. 
I love seeing that, though. I mean, that, but that's, of course, that is also a warning sign. In other words, all right, so a guy had a good World Series. We've seen this before. We've seen Super Bowl MVPs that came out of nowhere, cashed in, and as it turned out, they weren't that player. Yeah, they had a great day, but doesn't necessarily translate from that point on. But regardless, Soler cashes in with $36 million guaranteed with opt-outs if he does play well to make even more money. All right, we got our eyes on Houston, Illinois right now in the south region of this NCAA basketball tournament. Also coming up later, a matchup of college basketball coaching legends. Will Coach Gay get to another Sweet 16? Will Izzo knock him out? We got the latest coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, rolling along once again on a huge Sunday in the sports world. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ornberger with you. All right, 49-45, Houston leading Illinois. We've got seven minutes to go inside, seven minutes to go right now in this matchup. Second round in the South region. Of course, the winner will move on to the Sweet 16. And by day's end, we will know which 16 schools will be there. I got to... I got to imagine most people's brackets are an absolute in shambles right now. I know mine is not looking good. Uh, Gonzaga saved me yesterday. It looked like Gonzaga was seriously could go down to Memphis yesterday. Uh, they were down 10 at the half. That was my team to go all the way. They did rally to win that game, but it, even that game was a reminder, Rich, that, uh, wow, no one is safe. Nobody is safe in this tournament. Yeah, nobody is safe, and I don't know why there's so much parity this year. I don't know if it's the way these teams were seeded by the selection committee. I don't know if it's because the pandemic year changed the feeling of this, uh, the environment of the tournament in Indianapolis, because, you know, there's a lot of repeat teams uh, here this year in this tournament. Um, but, but yeah, for some reason, it just feels like it's more even. A, a lot of these games are thrillers. A lot of these games are one basket or two possession games down the stretch where uh, even the team trailing has a chance. It's been fun, man, and, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So if it is the way it's being seeded and if it's a great mystery as to how it happens but we get this level of play every year, I'm fine with it because it's making for a really entertaining product. By the way, got a serious of Big Ten teams. Sam, I'm always curious, uh, being uh, that you're a fan of the Big Ten team, Iowa. Mm-hmm. We got Illinois playing right now. Next up, Ohio State taking on Villanova. Michigan State then taking on Duke. Then Wisconsin uh, against Iowa State. Now, I know which way you're leaning on that game, but um, do you root for the Big Ten? Or are you like a conference guy? I am a conference guy. I like to see that, you know, I know that there's the old school mindset out there that you know you can't root for your fellow conference members, and I've never aligned with that. I always am like to see the conference do well. That's kind of how SEC fans they they really cheer on the conference at large. So I definitely would like to see the conference uh, do well. They haven't won a national title since Michigan State in 2022. They they have to end the drought at some year. So would love to see it happen. Um, this has to be isn't this the the this has to be the hardest first and second round I've ever seen for some of these high seeds like battling past yeah. Loyola Chicago oh, no, no. and Chattanooga and like all these Big Ten teams with these low scoring 
57-53 grinded out wins. It's just so hard, it just seems, just to get to those Week 16 this Well, week. and again, the pressure is immense on these young guys. Fans back in the stands, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. Last year, of course, had an empty arena there. Very limited fans uh, allowed in Indianapolis, uh, which was an all-inclusive setting for the NCAA tournament. Different story this year. It, it's just great. I mean, it's, it's absolutely fabulous. Now, one of the games coming up, Rich, is Duke and Michigan State. And yeah. I, I mentioned this matchup of coaches here between Coach K and Tom Izzo. All right, all-time coaches, final four appearances. Tied with 12, Coach K and John Wooden. Right. Dean Smith with 11. Roy Williams with nine. Tom Izzo with eight. Those are the only five coaches that have been to eight or more final fours. And two of them are matched up today. Coach K, his 42nd and final season at Duke. Tom Izzo in his 27th season at Michigan State. I mean, this to me is such a big part of college basketball because of the one-and-done rule and the fact that we get such a turnover in personnel. It's funny because a lot of times my son, who's a huge NBA fan, will throw it out at me like, even though if I recognize the name from the NBA, where did he go to school? And honestly, half of them I don't even remember. Right. Because <laughs> right. some of them were one and duns or two and duns. And, oh, that's right. He did go there. Um, sometimes I can't even remember because their stay is so brief. But the coaches, oh, no, no, no. I mean, they go on and on and on. So, so what do you make of this uh, Coach K, Tom Izzo matchup? And just how, what, in what way does it reflect on whatever magic there is to these? you know, long-serving coaches in college basketball? Well, look, I, I'm not going to discredit the base, the, the, the coaches that they are and the, the level that they've gotten to in their sport. But we know how this goes. College basketball and college football is all about recruiting um, the best recruiters get the best jobs and they're given an opportunity. And if they can continue to persevere, well, they're routinely going to be in the postseason. And they're routinely, as a result of being in the postseason, going to get the best players in their next recruitment class. You know what makes a great coach? Great players. I want to give credit where credit's due. Coach Krzyzewski has had a long and, and well-deserved heralded career, but he's also done it with some of the best possible players on planet Earth at the college level. You know, so if we're going to overlook that aspect of this, you know, the Cal Perry or that um, Bill Self or Mark Few or, you know, name it, any of the great coaches in NCAA college hoops right now, um, yeah, there's no doubt. They, they, Tom Izzo, they deserve credit because they're great coaches. But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you get to a certain point and you have an alumni base that's willing to dump money in and fund your facilities and make it so you have the biggest and the best and most beautiful arenas and locker rooms and all the trappings that helps you recruit three and four and five-star prospects every single recruitment class, it becomes a lot easier to do the job at this level. Well, also think this to Coach K, though. How many of his players have become great stars in the NBA? Probably the best was Grant Hill. I mean, Leitner was a solid player in the NBA. Certainly, J.J. Redick is a prolific three-point shooter. He's never been an all-star. But you think of some of his other star players like Shane Battier, Danny Ferry, Johnny Dawkins, Bobby Hurley. Probably his best talent, and I, I, should, I should say this, his best talent was Kyrie Irving. 
but he he barely played half of a season, his one and done year at Duke. Um, and we talk about, you know, some of the other guys, but the guys that stayed with him, you know, for multiple years, not the one and done guys of the last 10 years, only really Grant Hill can we say was a legitimate all-star at the NBA level. I mean, there's something to be said about college coaches. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of them, there's, you know, Jason Tatum, we need time. I mean. Well, again, but these were one and done guys. I mean, like, yeah. like I said, I, I mean, how much, how much credit in the end? I mean, this, this is the Calipari, okay. yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. Calipari argument, like, well, how much did he really have to do with a, a Boogie Cousins or John Wall or an Anthony Davis or all the great one and dones that have passed through the program well, at Kentucky? I mean, well, well, dang, yeah, yeah. Never, never made an all-star team. Or did he? Maybe. Maybe one. I, but I'm talking about, you know, he truly great He was one of the stars. best wing defenders in the NBA. I, I mean, I don't know. Look, but it's not like Duke has had a succession of, you know, I mean, like all his early stars. Johnny Dawkins, Mark Allery, Danny Ferry, Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley. Grant Hill was certainly an exception to that. But in those days, when he had guys three or four years in the program, I guess my qu- question to you is, and obviously yeah. having played at the highest level in the college program, just how much credit should these coaches get into the development of players or taking a player and just making them that much better over three or four years in a program, as opposed to whatever effect you might have on a one-and-done kid? Again, I, I don't want to discredit coaching completely because it matters. It absolutely matters. But aren't you – Aren't you a better radio show broadcaster when you're working with a better co-host? Well, with you, obviously. You have yeah. it. You know, yeah. it's like Pippin and uh, and yeah. Jordan. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you have a dynamic duo or when you have a dynamic trio or if you have a deep roster, a, a great player can become a legendary player. Because you're surrounded by more talented pieces. You know, LeBron James gets credit for having a triple-double, right? Well, he needs 10 assists. That means that when he has players open, they need to hit shots for him to get those assists. You know, I'm I'm just saying, like, part of it, is obviously you you have to be supremely talented in your own right. Um, part of it is you need to receive good coaching and good development. I'm not going to deny that. But the other piece to it is you need to be surrounded by talent. And that's the other part of this that really does sort of take the shine off of the coaching and more on the players again. Because all of those three-star recruits that go to Duke that maybe don't end up having NBA careers or they go and play internationally and they're anonymous to the general public in in the United States, but maybe they're huge stars over in Brazil or in China or, or in Italy where they play internationally for 20 years before retiring from professional basketball overseas. Well, we don't know about them here, but while they were at Duke, they helped assist the Jason Tatums, the Christian Leitners, the Grand Hills, the great players that have graduated into the NBA ranks from Duke. And all of those players really helped ascend those great talents to even higher heights. It's the reason why LeBron James went to Cleveland the first time around and went, you know what, screw this, I'm going to Miami and I'm building my own team. Because he realized if I have Wade and Bosh, I can win championships. And then as soon as he went back to Cleveland, he recruited 
Kevin Love. They had already drafted Kyrie out of Duke, by the way, and he surrounded himself with talent again. And then he won his next NBA championship by surrounding himself with AD and a couple of key role players with that Lakers team. And again, if you want to call it a championship in the bubble or not, that's up to you. I think it's a championship. The point is, a great player needs great players around him. And that's the other benefit of playing for a Duke or UNC or uh, a Kentucky is you know that you're going to a program that's going to surround you with talent. Yes, the coaches deserve some credit, but they don't deserve all the credit or not nearly as much credit as they des- as they get as a result of being the holdovers year after year. It's the players who win these championships. It's interesting, too, when you talk about coaches sort of want to maintaining control. In other words, their stamp on the impact of a program. I mean, think back to Dean Smith when he had Michael Jordan. Jordan hits the game-winning shot to win him his first national championship in 1982. Jordan stayed in the program two more years, and yes, he was an All-American Player of the Year, but as we found out later in the NBA, he could have done a lot more at North Carolina if Dean Smith had taken the reins off. I'm always reminded of John Wooden when he had Kareem, when he was then young Lou Alcindor. In his first varsity game, he scored 56 against USC, and he could have done that literally every game. I mean, mm-hmm. he could have done that every game. Wooden grabbed him and said, I don't want to see that again. It's not that you're not capable of doing it, but we're going to play as a team. Now, Kareem decided, I'm going to go with what the coach tells me. But, and they won three straight national championships. But could they have also done that if Kareem had just done that every single game where he'd scored 50, 60 points a game? Because there was no one to stop him at that time. So a lot of times, you know, the, you're like, I get what you're saying because these coaches do want to maintain control. You know, in Coach K's case, he does. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, he wants all to have a strength. They all do. They want to have that control over these players. Um, and it, it is interesting dynamics. So Coach K, Tom Izzo, coming up a little later on today. All right, we're going to get back to the NFL right now. We were talking earlier about the PR dynamics of the Deshaun Watson deal to Cleveland. But there's other quarterback deals to be made. What will be the next quarterback to change residence? We'll weigh down some of the options coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Arnberger, Fox Sports Sunday, the Houston Cougars. We made it all the way to the Final Four a year ago, are heading back to the Sweet 16. Final seconds ticking off right now. Houston pulls away in the end, and they have beaten Illinois by a score of 68-53. to So Kevin Sampson, who was once barred from college basketball for five years, five years uh, for shenanigans that went down with Eric Gordon at uh, University of Indiana. He exiled to the NBA for several years. Houston took a chance on him. He has rebuilt that program in a big way. uh, And now Houston is back to the Sweet 16. So there you go. One game in the books, seven more to go. Um, by the way, a uh, quick note here. Hiring Heating Up, Indeed's hiring platform, makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor posts and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. And speaking of Indeed, with the tournament in full gear, be sure to check out the Bracket Challenge standings at FoxSportsRadio.com for Fox Sports Radio's million-dollar bracket challenge powered by Indeed. Yeah, I, I just to comment on the fact that Houston 
beat Illinois, the Big Ten champs, and by a wide margin advancing here. I mean, Kelvin Sampson is doing this without his best player, Marcus Sasser. He's been out since December. They're also without Tremont Mark, who was lost for the year. I mean, just imagine how much better this team would be if they were fully healthy. He's in a, you know, we were just talking about the importance of coaching at this level. And this is when you get an opportunity to see it. When you have a team that has lost some valuable key pieces, how developed is your bench? You know, what about those guys who are going to be in your program for three or four years? You know, how, how good are they? Well, Kelvin Sampson's situation with Houston, he's proven that they're good. They're really good. They're good enough potentially to win it all as a result of uh, advancing here because he lost a third of his scoring in December and they haven't looked back. Yeah, and, you know, we, we always get upsets every year in the NCAA basketball tournament and teams that literally come out of nowhere to make some noise. So when we talked earlier about a Coach K, a Coach Izzo, longtime coach like Kevin Sampson, you want to stay in this game a long time? Figure out a way to navigate the NCAA tournament. Uh, and the best of the best have figured it out. There is a formula. There is a way to sort of, you know, survive in advance. Don't worry about style points. Just get the W. Sampson is definitely uh, in that category. All right, I got an update for you now as far as some of the quarterback vacancies around the NFL, Rich. Uh, news is coming out of New Orleans right now since they did not land Deshaun Watson in the deal that one guy is out, and that's Taysom Hill. The report out in New Orleans is that Taysom Hill will not be in competition to be the starting quarterback of the Saints, hmm. which goes back to the deal they gave him. Like, what were you thinking, right? Uh, Taysom Hill is a is a hybrid, is what he is. But as far as a game-in, game-out starting quarterback, the new Saints regime has already determined he is not that. Now, Jameis Winston could be brought back. That's one possibility. So let's take a look here. You got Sill, Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback in Carolina. Uh, Drew Locke right now is your starting quarterback in Seattle. Indianapolis does not have a starting quarterback. And we got the Saints situation right now. So those are four teams that are obviously looking for a quarterback we have Baker Mayfield out there and still the possibility of Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's four teams in need of a quarterback and only two quarterbacks still in the conversation as far as, you know, guys that could matter, guys that have been there, been in the playoffs. So how do you think this is going to shake out for Mayfield, Garoppolo, and for the Panthers, Saints, Seahawks, and the Colts? Well, you're forgetting somebody, and it's a very important somebody who is absolutely going to be traded, and that's Matt Ryan. Wow. Matt Ryan would make a lot of sense with the Colts. I don't know if they have the draft capital to get him, but if you think about it, the Atlanta Falcons move on from Ryan. um, Well, that would create, obviously, another uh, quarterback vacancy in Atlanta. Well, certainly would, but, I I mean, Atlanta, to me, unless they're – going to continue on with Matt Ryan, who's made every, um, how should I phrase it? I guess he's made it easier for the Atlanta Falcons to conduct business as he's a lame duck. You know, he extended this bonus he was due if he was on the roster and then extended it again so that they could figure out a trade situation. Look, I mean, if you trade Matt Ryan to the Colts, 
I mean, maybe they send Sam Ellinger over to the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm not saying he's a starting quarterback, but maybe Sam Ellinger, who's had a little bit of run, you know, he can start while you're grooming a young quarterback that you draft if you're in love with anybody. I mean, the the kid out of Liberty, you know, Kenny Pickett, um, the list goes on. Desmond Ritter, maybe if you, you have an opportunity, especially since you're going to get some draft capital. The problem is I don't know if the Colts have the draft capital. They Their top pick this year is a second rounder. Maybe they can leverage some future uh, higher picks like a first rounder in next year's draft and a second rounder in next year's draft if they really think Matt Ryan's the guy. But with Frank Reich and that offense and especially with that defense in Indianapolis – don't you think if Matt Ryan was there a year ago, they would have at least at least made the playoffs? I think they would if it was Matt Ryan instead of Carson Wentz. And they're basically repeating. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think in Atlanta's case, when we heard that he was willing to you know, do a little restructuring or hold off a bonus payment, yep. I think that his mindset was, hey, if I can get out of Atlanta and go to Indy, that's going to work out for me. But that was all predicated on them getting Deshaun Watson, which did not happen. Um, here, here's the interesting thing. So I'm, I'm watching all these mock drafts and understand – you know, the the true insiders that put these mock drafts together, they're getting insider information. Normally, after the combine, uh, and we still have some personal workouts to come and everything else, but it usually happens that the mock drafts see quarterbacks go up the charts. Not this year. They're actually going down. I don't see a single mock draft with a quarterback in the top 10. Very few even have a quarterback in the top 15. Now, this does. This could be a little play. We understand that. You know, you throw, throw it, wow, we're not really interested in Willis. You know, his Liberty background concerns us or Kenny Pickett's hands or Matt Corral or, <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, they, you can throw out stuff out there to throw them off the scent, so to speak, as part of your interest in these quarterbacks. But I think we all can just take a step back and look at these quarterbacks and say there's nobody in this draft that you can say absolutely, oh, plug him in year one, and he's going to be your starting quarterback. And let me give you an example of a direction that I could see the Falcons going after trading away Matt Ryan, even if they don't get a quarterback back. So say they do take a Malik Willis. Say they do take a Matt Corral or – Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter or any of these right. relatively underwhelming uh, draft picks at quarterback this season. Who knows what the future holds for them? And also, there are plenty of you know these older statesmen, uh, uh, free agent quarterbacks floating around still, like a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick who's coming off an injury last season can come back into the league and be a starter. Uh, you know, I mean, you have examples. But these are all placeholders. In other no, words, no, no, no one's building a, their future. No. I mean, I mean, that's Drew my Locke, point. Though. Drew Locke maybe week one starter for Seattle. Right. It's just like the Jared Goff situation in Detroit. A lot of people have Detroit taking, let's say, a Matt Corral late in the first round. The Jared Goff is. Is a placeholder. I mean, there's you know, no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and and I and I feel strongly that you know, an Andy Dalton, for example, right, or exactly. a Fitzpatrick, or whoever, right? You know, they're they're not going to be the guy, but they're going to be able to be the guy while the guy you're hoping to be the guy is on the practice fields, getting reps, getting in, getting uh, to know the offense <laughs> better, all those sort of things. And and it's a a big part of this game. Terod Taylor is another one that comes to mind. You know, you have these. 
guys who have been in that position where they've groomed young quarterbacks many times throughout their career. How many teams seriously have what we would term a franchise quarterback? 12? Maybe does half the league have a franchise quarterback? Probably probably half the league, I would say. Has a franchise quarterback. I'm not yeah. saying Hall of Fame. What I'm saying is a guy that you can say that's our guy for a decade, you know, based on injury. All right, uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, but first, let's find out what's trending right now as we welcome back, you know who, Mr. David Gascon, David. Feeling pretty good right now. How are you? Yeah. Feeling better about Houston today. Was Houston? I had Houston as a one and done. Why? Because I was looking at the five twelve matchups. What the Get this. Wrong with you? How about this? So I'm looking at the five twelve matchups. Talk to me, this. And I decided oh. that the five team that was going to go down. No. Was Houston? Wow. They were going to go down to wow. UAB in the first round. Wow. As it turned out, two twelves did beat fives. Oh, who were they? Uh, let's see. That would be. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> Iowa going down to Richmond. <laughs> see how we led into that once more time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Iowa Sam sold me on Stop the Hawkeyes it. and told me that as of all the fives, the one that was safe was Iowa. <laughs> he told me when you're looking at well, that, yeah, because oh, every year that's what I'm thinking before the game. Down, and he told me that Steve, I didn't know Richmond was the giant said, slayer they were. I'm telling you right now, I <laughs> guarantee you the one five you don't have to worry about is Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he told Now me. I know better. Oh, you are one pathetic loser. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. <laughs> Speaking of basketball, you guys know that uh, Creighton is leading <laughs> Iowa right yeah. now, 54-50. Yes. That's the yeah. women's. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about this, too. Championship. Ah, what happened there? He yeah. said they're at home. There's in. a packed crowd, packed house, and they're losing to Creighton in the 10 seed. How does that happen? I don't know. You want to talk about it? What will be more no, devastating you to you? You want a hug? <laughs> why, why does women's basketball <laughs> oh, yeah, have quarters yeah, yeah. and men still only have halves at the collegiate level? Do you like level? the quarter system? I Well, it's always been weird to me. High school basketball has quarters. Yeah. NBA has quarters. Women's basketball has quarters. Yeah. The, only, the only basketball that doesn't have quarters now is still college men's basketball. Why? I don't know. Especially because the timeouts are evenly allocated. Yeah. I don't know. But I do like the fact that even in this quarter system, we could all enjoy the fact that I was losing by four at home. Stop it. That would be a devastating loss because look at that crowd. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Now, what would happen if Iowa State loses today to Wisconsin? Oh my gosh! Well, then we we need we all need to call Sam later today just to make sure everything's okay on the home front. And the Iowa State women play later today as well. Wow! Wellness checks seven o'clock p.m. But he keeps going back to Tiger Campbell, who's been outstanding for UCLA (laughs) and his Iowa roots. Those my Bruins riding Tiger Campbell. He will have to be against North Carolina because. They are battered and bruised. Yeah. Are you UCLA Bruins? Well, I mean, if Jaime Hawkes is not ready to go, I don't see how they're going to beat North Carolina. They, they have to have hockey. I think I saw they opened up as a two and a half point favorite against North Carolina. Well, I mean, they're a four seed against an eight seed, and Hawkes. It was hard to tell. What Didn't does that like mean, he though? fully rolled his ankle. He's had bad ankles all season long. Yeah. So. But without s- him, I don't see how UCLA beats North Carolina. They were a small like the favorite Steph against Curry of Ukla. Yeah. Exactly. He's got bad ankles, just like Steph. Oh, if he could shoot like him, it'd be one thing, though. Mm-hmm. But, uh, guys, that game did come to a close with Houston and Illinois. Entry goes corner. Jamal Shedd looks middle for Edwards. Nine seconds across for Moore, who gives a high five to Fabian White. The final four seconds fade away. The horn hits in Pittsburgh. Moore 
tosses the ball in the air, and Houston is on to the Sweet 16 for a third straight time. 68-53, Houston humbles Illinois. They certainly did. Taze more in that game. 9-16 from the field, 21 points. Team shot better in the second half. They were 42% overall, but they were like 35% in the opening half. Uh, it feels like shades of was it Keegan Murray the other day for mm-hmm. Iowa? I mean, yeah. he did all he could, and then the rest of his team could not pick up the slack, right. and then I, Iowa I, lost. How, the they, how the Aztecs do, Dave? Yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, Houston advances, guys. Ohio State and Villanova is on tap. That game will get underway in about. They just relisted it for uh, 11:54 Pacific. So. Uh, 21 minutes from now, Michigan State and Duke is also on deck as well. Uh, NBA menu tonight is rather heavy. One guy that's not playing, Fred Van Fleet, is out for the Toronto Raptors. Major League Baseball, Trevor Story, six years, 140 with the Boston Red Sox. Um, I know you guys talked about it yesterday with the National League West, but if San Francisco falls back down to earth, and let's say they get like 80 to 85 wins. Right. Oh, like, you better hope the Padres have at least three of those five starters that are serviceable all year long. Well, they need they them just, all. They need, they they do. need them all. I know. They, but... they, they, need, they need them all uh, to Just uh, look at the well. Dodgers lineup. Oh, yeah. my golly. Yeah. Although, I but mean, But Steve again, mentioned it yesterday. The, the Dodgers lineup last year, they were they were beaten up. Yeah. I mean, well, it, I mean, they, they, they're they hoping that Bellinger bounces back. And he, he looked, <laughs> I mean, from 165 season, he was Ugh. the worst. And Mookie Betts, I mean, it just, it was not a Mookie Betts season. Yeah. Even Mookie Betts said that when he was named to the All-Star team, he said, I don't deserve to it. be honest with you, I don't deserve it. I would rather take the three days off and try to get my act together. Yeah. So they need some bounce back guys. But on paper, if you put all those guys and say, if they all come through, yeah, I mean, devastating. I mean, Ryan Bershinger, executive producer, mm-hmm. he weighs more than what Bellinger hit last year. Yeah, he does. And wow, Ryan's yeah. like 120 pounds soaking Dripping wet. wet. Yeah. Dripping wet. This is after his engagement proposal. You know, I'm yeah. always curious about He's Ryan's... He's lighter without that ring in his pocket. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm always curious about Ryan's Saturday nights. Oh, he comes Seriously, in here he just comes disheveled. In here, it is, it's, he's blurry-eyed. I mean, he's, he gets focused once he's here. Yeah. I know, but he smells but, like a barroom floor. I am so just, good. He never divulges <laughs> any <laughs> details about his Saturday Okay, nights. you want it's one little hint? He reminds me of Patrick Swayze in mm. Roadhouse. Yeah, well, That's a good point. I'll just say that. It's a good point. It's a good point. Sometimes I mean, it, he comes it, in wearing it, all black and, you know, those cowboy boots. He's just been roundhousing dudes. I mean, out of, break a couple of doors on, on someone. It's not like we get started at 6 a.m. here on the West Coast. I mean, we're, it's like 10, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what is going on on his Saturday nights? I'm just I mean, I'm curious. I don't yeah. know. I, well, I respect the uh, the Roadhouse comparison. I'll take that. All right. That's, that's fine. A, it, that's probably the least voice, right too. There. Man, if you were a bouncer tapping me on the shoulder, I'd be like, like, oh, my God, what <laughs> hell am I turning around to? I mean, if you're... <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Little soundtrack I, I, I feel, I can feel the, the peanut shells under my feet as we listen to this. All of a sudden, a beer bottle cracks. We got a stool thrown at my back. I turn around, and there's Bershinger, mm-hmm. ready to grab me by my collar and Guy's set an me animal. straight. He is an animal. <laughs> All right, uh, David, we will check in with you a little bit later on. Uh, by the way, if cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. And speaking of Indeed with the tournament in full gear, be sure to check out the Bracket Challenge standings at FoxSportsRadio.com for Fox Sports Radio's million-dollar Bracket Challenge powered by Indeed. All right, we're talking quarterback. 
quarterbacks. You went on to this rant about Matt Ryan. Uh, I, I threw two quarterbacks, and you still haven't answered my question. Okay, let's where, hear the other two. Where will <laughs> Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo play in 2022? Give me the definitive answer where Baker Mayfield be in 2022 and Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022. Jeez. Um, well, listen, I, I think – I think it makes the most sense for Baker to be sent out of the AFC to the NFC. So Seattle feels like a likely destination now, you know, and mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know if San Francisco is going to be able to, to do that, if, if they're going to be able to find an AFC team where they can send Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think a lot of these teams are waiting to see what the results of his surgery are. So I could see him with potentially the Carolina Panthers, with potentially the Saints. And then it just leaves us to see who does what in the draft. I mean, maybe you don't want a Jimmy Garoppolo if you're one of the teams, like like we just mentioned, who does go into the draft and does f- take one of these quarterbacks that we mentioned. You know, I understand they're all being valued as second rounders, but we've seen this before. Uh, you know, the, the entire world can undervalue a quarterback who ended up having a tremendous career at the NFL level. I mean, that's why Russell Wilson – was a was second rounder right out of Wisconsin. Uh, that's why uh, Dak Prescott was a fourth rounder. Um, that's why Tom Brady was a sixth rounder. It happens sometimes. These evaluators miss. They don't get it right. And a player who wasn't valued quite as highly out of the draft. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo himself was a second rounder, and he's gone to two uh, NFC championship games, and he's won one since he's been a starter. He's had health issues. I understand that. But Jimmy Garoppolo is a championship quarterback in this league. Whatever you think of his skill set, he's a winner. So, I I do think that one of these teams, the Saints or the Carolina Panthers, potentially the Seahawks, are going to wait until the draft to see what's available at their draft slot. Well, again, the most attractive destination for any of these guys of these four teams is Indianapolis. I mean, uh, Indianapolis is more attractive than New Orleans right now or Carolina or Seattle. And that's going to be – that's the next domino to fall. Who is going to be the Indianapolis quarterback? I agree with you. If you're Cleveland, there's no way I'm treating or trading uh, Baker Mayfield to Indianapolis. But Jimmy Garoppolo to Indy makes sense. But what do they have to offer – or will the 49ers sit on Garoppolo for another year? Uh, so those are the next two dominoes to fall. We'll see how that all plays out. All right, coming back on the other side, more Major League Baseball news for you. Remember all the owners crying poverty? Have you seen some of these free agent contracts? The latest coming up next. Steve Harvey, Rich Hornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. Uh, I believe Iowa's retaken the lead. Is that correct? 62-58 over Creighton with a minute and a half to go. Uh, this one's going down the wire. Creighton Ooh. just scored. So 62-60. Wow. The ladies are uh, burning up their second-round action in Greensboro, <laughs> the Greensboro region. This one's in Iowa City. Oh, wait. And now, Uh-oh. And now Creighton has a chance to tie the game. So I know this is going to be hard to focus for uh, Sam right now as we're inside almost a minute to go in this game. Uh, by the way, it really pays to be a professional athlete these days. Uh, 
You know, I'm looking at some of these free agent contracts that we have seen uh, in Major League Baseball, and some of the top names that were out there, Correa got $105.3 million over three years. Remember, Corey Seager, uh, before the lockdown, 10 years, $325 million. Freddie Freeman, six years, $160 million. Simeon got seven years, $175 million. Scherzer, three years, $130 million. Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, seven years, $182 million. Uh, Trevor's story just got a six-year, $140 million deal. There's really only one name left on the board, that police uh, Conforto of the Mets, who apparently won him back, Rich. They're just trying to figure out the dynamics of this. Uh, But it just gets back to the overall picture of professional sports and just how much money there is. I'm still trying to figure out the economics. Again, diminishing numbers as far as attendance is concerned in Major League Baseball, right? Uh, ratings are down. Everything seems to be down. You know, all the different ways that we sort of measure the financial success of any kind of business seem to be down, and yet the money just seems to be endless. Endless. Yeah. I mean, they're just <laughs> yep. there doesn't seem to be any limit on how much money can be spent on these guys. We were just talking about Deshaun Watson, a guy who's got all this legal stuff hanging over his head, Fully guaranteed, five years, $230 million. It just it, it just blows my For someone that's been around as long as I've been and followed the evolution of sports, I, I still cannot believe the amount of money we're talking about right now. I mean, look, it's the reason why when this lockout occurred and there was any – any fans of this game or media personalities who were who are carrying water for the ownership side, I was just like, stop, just stop it. I understand these players seem greedy because they're getting paid these huge dollar contracts, but you have to remember where are those checks coming from? They're not just materializing out of thin air. I mean, they're they're being paid by the owners, the people who run Major League Baseball are making enough money that they can justify spending hundreds of millions of dollars on players' salaries. That's all you have to know. Like anytime you hear an owner in any of these sports leagues complaining about how they're not making enough revenue, just go back and look at the contracts that current owner has on the books. Now, Major League Baseball, there are certain owners who don't spend. But then if you look into the revenue that we do know about, the profit sharing that happens based off of the billions of dollars they're receiving from their network broadcast partnerships, then you realize, oh, no, 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 no. They could spend way more than they do because that still doesn't take into account their gate revenue, their concessions, their advertising deals locally and nationally. I mean, these owners in Major League Baseball, especially considering how many games that they play each season – are making money hand over fist. So thank God they got this deal done with the Major League Baseball players because there would have been pitchforks and torches coming out for them if they didn't. Because why on earth could you possibly take baseball away from the fans and claim that you're poor? You're not. There's no chance. And we have all of the evidence we need. One thing I do like about this free agent uh, period for Major League Baseball, we're not going to have guys drifting into next year, you know, or into the season. All the big names are off the board. They're all getting signed. By the way, as I'm talking right now, I- I'm watching Iowa Sam. Creighton, 
Creighton had a, a three-point play to take a one-point lead. Creighton now has a two-point lead with 3.6 seconds left. So Iowa will have a chance to either tie or win this game. Jeez. Oh, um, have you ever sweated as much as you're sweating right now with this <laughs> women's basketball game going on between Iowa? And where is this game being played? It's in Iowa City. How, how is that possible that oh. Iowa's playing in Iowa City in the NCAA tournament? That's what they, uh, the women's tournament does that. that you, if you're a high seed, you get to host. The you first, get to actually host the uh, game. The first two games, I believe. Yeah, wow. Or one. So they, they had a sellout on um, Friday. They had mm-hmm. a sellout today. And then, but then this Creighton player hit a three with 12 seconds left, and yeah, they're in serious trouble here. Now, this is a state rivalry, right, between Iowa and Creighton? No, Creighton's in uh, Omaha. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> when I state, oh, so, yeah, I mean, state Iowa state to versus state, yeah. Nebraska. Trust me, Creighton fans probably— Is there a rivalry probably... between the states of Iowa and Nebraska? Is oh, that, oh, a, is that well, a rivalry? Ne- Nebraska fans think there's a rivalry, but they— Oh, they, it's they, a one-sided it, rivalry. Well, because oh, they, right. they can't beat Iowa. All right, well, Iowa's going to inbound the ball right now, down by two. They get inside, and the shot is missed. Rebound and miss, rebound and miss, rebound and miss. Game over, Creighton wins. Okay. Um, I'm sure that David Gascon is going to have much more on this game coming up. Coming up. Iowa, they had four shots at the end, missed them all. Wow. And uh, yeah, Creighton stinks. has gone in. and They were uh, the Big Ten uh, regular season and conference tournament champion. Okay. So, so pretty nice a, season they had there. Yeah. Well, had. Had, had is yeah. the word. Thanks. There. Thanks. But the hat is only a three-letter word, though. I yeah, could, you could maybe. use much worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. On the other side, we'll get back on the men's side of March Madness. All the big games still to come today. And, yes, we'll have our eyes on any developing Major League Baseball NFL news. Just keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, continuing on this big Sunday as we're going to whittle the field down to 16. The March Madness going on right now underway. Ohio State and Villanova. Houston has already punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. And six more games to go, including that exciting matchup coming up next between Michigan State and Duke. Izzo versus Coach K one last time. Uh, Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger with you. By the way, coming up here in about 20 minutes, we're going to check in with our buddy John Paul Morosi. He will give us all the latest on Major League Baseball spring training. I don't know if you've been watching any of the spring training yet, Rich. Have you tuned into any baseball with a little spring training action? Not really. Highlights on Twitter, on Instagram, but uh, haven't sat down and buckled in for a full game. So, no. Yeah. Have you? No. <laughs> I mean, spring training baseball to me. I mean, it, I, I mean, it sort of I feels it. almost sacrilegious while March Madness is going it, on it to really watch any is. spring training baseball, well, unless you go like on site. Yeah. Um, well, here's here's an interesting uh, dynamic though this year because Major League Baseball normally or was supposed to start March 31st, and now opening day has been delayed a week till April 7th because we always do the transition from March Madness right into the Masters. You know, that Jim Nance deal where he has like his dream week where he's calling the action in the championship game uh, and then on a Monday and then, you know, Thursday he's there for the opening round of of, of the Masters. Is that yeah. like the dream? I mean, seriously, that is – I mean, I have to admit, the, the, all these announcers have these gigs where they do Super Bowls or World Series everything else. But Nance has got that one week, 
right, where you transition from the Final Four all the way to the Masters. That's not about as good as a gig. If you could get it, that yeah. is not a bad transition out there. No, I don't really watch any spring training. I know a lot of the players are happy that spring training has been shortened, and you know because they say you know the problem with spring training is you know first couple of weeks, all right, yeah, I'm sort of getting myself ready for the season, and then you look at your spring training schedule and you're like, you're not even halfway through the schedule. And you're yeah. like, I'm ready now. Let's get going here. Um, so maybe they're going to look at this. Maybe shorten the spring training schedule uh, for Major League Baseball. Uh, but we'll uh, get the latest from John, John Paul Morosi uh, coming up here shortly. Um, uh, a couple of things I, I wanted to get to. I don't know. Did you see this note uh, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, demanding that if you're buying season tickets, yes. it's got to be for two years. And <laughs> now they've come out for the reason why they're requiring season ticket purchases for two years rather than one season is they want to maintain home field advantage. Meaning that if we only go on a one-year basis, we get a lot of people that are fans of the opposing team buying up tickets now this is not the first time by the way a team has done something like this but i gotta ask you this rich because in recent years i mean over the course of the entire nfl season wasn't it 50 50 as far as the home team winning i think we were right at 50 percent at the end of the season uh even in the nba where home court advantage used to be overwhelming it's not that anymore. What's happened here? What what happened to the idea that home field advantage matters? Because well, I the, mean, the numbers don't bear it out anymore. You're using one season as your example? Well, I don't know. Should I be? I, I'm asking you. You're the one who brought it up. It's interesting to use one season as an example for anything. Uh, so I don't I don't I mean I I have no comment on that because it's not a trend yet. It's one season. So I, I look, here's the one thing. I will react to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing. This is just the my biggest problem with sports um is the fact that when you finally have a team doing what it's supposed to do, which is field a team that that fans deem um, it not only like prudent, but like necessary. If you're a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got to get out and see one of these games. And maybe if you've been a fan for a long time and you've been reluctant to b- pull the trigger on buying season tickets for years and years and years, because you're like, yeah, but the, it's the Bucks. You know, we're not going anywhere, and and they keep screwing it up in the draft. And you know, who's our quarterback? And this, that, and the other thing. All of a sudden, they have Tom Brady. They got a championship under the belt. So what? They're going to hold their fans hostage? Hey, the only way you can get season tickets is if it's a two-year commitment. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's just garbage. That is just garbage. I, I mean, the ownership should be embarrassed with themselves. You're going to punish your most loyal fans. You're going to force them to spend more money than maybe they're capable of spending because you're good now? It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's just the, it's the worst part of sports. It, you know, ticket prices always go up when the team's better. And I understand because supply and demand that works, uh, works that way. You have a higher demand. You, 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 you have less of a supply of the same seats that were available there in the first place. I get it. I get it. And everybody's trying to get their beak wet. But it's just a gross part of all this. Well, I agree with you. But here was an interesting number in the NFL. Of the 14 teams that made the playoffs in the NFL this year, 
eight of them. The Bengals, Patriots, Raiders, Cowboys, Eagles, Rams, Cardinals, and 49ers all had better road records this year than they had home records. Um, and, and again, it, you're right. I mean, if you go back just three years ago, the numbers were, you know, it was about 55%. Uh, it was still in that range, 55 to 60%. Uh, it was interesting. Ron Rivera said this. He said, you're not getting the types of crowds you have in the past. Hopefully, if the pandemic ever does ease up and we know how to deal with it, it may change things. So has that been part of it about fans that maybe have stayed away, still in fear of being in large crowds and everything else, as opposed to fans that say, the heck with it. If I can get tickets for the game, man, I'm going there, there may be some people are saying that could be part of the reason that you're not getting the same makeup of these home crowds that you had in the past. Yeah, it's possible. I, I mean, look, if we're going to use the pandemic season, you know, it's difficult because all bets are off in 2020. But 2021, last season, you want to talk about home field advantage in 2021 being off. Here's an example. I mean, look, you know, if you're uh, if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns and you live in Cleveland, um, maybe you're reluctant to go, you know, I'm using them as an example. Maybe you're reluctant to go to a game in the height of, you know, the viral load in your city or whatever. And so you wait it out. Maybe you catch a game later in the season and you, you just sort of, because you have eight games to play with. You're a Browns fan. So you get, you can go to any one of those or nine now with the 17th game. I mean, you, you could pick one of eight or nine games to go see the Browns. But if you're, if you're a Steelers fan living in Cleveland and the Steelers come to Cleveland and all of a sudden because of the pandemic, the ticket prices are cheaper than they used to be, aren't you a little bit more encouraged to take the risk and go check out your team playing in Cleveland as opposed to maybe a Cleveland fan who has eight or nine opportunities to buy that single game ticket? Maybe that was a reason why there was a – a, a little bit more of a hard time for certain home team um, home team fan bases to make and generate the sort of sound that the teams are used to. I don't know. I, I, I just sort of think it's an aberration. I don't know if there's necessarily one reason or the the other but if the trend continues then i would i would love for somebody to take a deep dive into what's happening and why it's happening. I mean, did you always feel you had a major advantage playing at home? Certainly. Yeah. Every, every team I played for, certainly. I mean, and don't get me wrong. It was different certain teams that I played for in certain games. Like um, when I was with New England, every home game, you had a distinct advantage. And, and I was with the Patriots. They were very good. You know, so we were – we, we had full support of the, you know, the 70,000 who showed up to Gillette. In Arizona, Arizona was different. When I was playing for the Cardinals, certain teams' fan bases traveled very well to Arizona. And the same thing with San Diego because, I mean, face it, you're in Raider land. You're, you know, you, there are plenty of Denver fans. there. Shoot, I remember... In 2014, there was a game we played against the New England Patriots. I was shocked by how many Patriots fans were out there. We played a game against the Steelers in 2014. I was shocked with how many Steelers fans showed up in San Diego. Now, again, the Chargers were, at the time, <laughs> talking about leaving San Diego, so that wasn't helping things, but you get my point. Oh, yeah, I remember very well. All right, coming up on the other side, most of the big-name free agents have signed in Major League Baseball, so which teams were the winners? Which teams came up short? Our MLB network friend, John Paul Morosi, will join us coming up next. 
Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Sunday, Villanova leading Ohio State 19-11. to Inside 11 minutes to go in the first half in that game. We're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas. Your home for live sports, and that means all sports. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Now go on, plan your trip to visitlasvegas.com. See the best and brightest in Vegas the greatest arena on earth. By the way, I had an interesting Saturday night last night uh, while, you know, Ryan was doing some crazy things. Um, I had a different Saturday night. I'll share that in a moment. But join us right now. Bring us up to date on everything going on with Major League Baseball, MLB Network, of course, our Fox Sports Radio, MLB Insider, the great John Paul Morosi. JP, how are you today? Good afternoon, my friends. How about Terrence Williams, the second last night for Michigan? Some key, <laughs> decisive plays in the second half. Hold on. And Michigan somewhat improbably onto the Sweet 16. Oh, now, hold on a second here. Now, Rich, by the way, had Tennessee winning the whole thing. All right, I that, did. Sorry, that Rich. Was, so, uh, and then you saw Candace <laughs> Parker on TV saying, how did we lose to Michigan. But this is the tournament, right? I mean, Michigan's one of those perennial teams in the tournament. It's like UCLA last year. I expected zero from them last year. Right. And somehow they got it on an incredible roll. Could that be the case as Michigan moves on to the Sweet 16? Well, it could be. And and here was the thing. You know, watching that game last night, I would say the last five or six minutes of the first half, I said, no way does Michigan come back and win this game. There was just there was too much sloppiness. I thought they really got undisciplined. just cost themselves a lot of points uh, just in those final minutes of the first half. But this is the fun thing about a young team. And obviously, uh, this is a young tournament overall, but to have a team dominated by freshmen and sophomores, they're going to have stretches where they break down, but they've got the talent and just that, that carefree vibe about them where it says, you know what, however bad we look for this four-minute stretch, we'll have an even better stretch coming up. So I think Williams, some key plays. Brooks, of course, a very experienced player. Dickinson, I thought, was very good last night. So Michigan finds a way. Juwan Howard has them back in the Sweet 16. You had Ray Jackson and Chris Weber in the stands yesterday. There's a lot of really cool vibes, I would say. Yeah, absolutely true. And I thought Juwan Howard did uh, did a really tremendous job with the Volunteers players post-game. Um, that picture went viral of him embracing Racing one of the players and giving him a pep talk after the loss to the Wolverines. So yeah, your your Michigan Wolverines advance and my bracket is officially busted, John. Moving on to Major League Baseball. Okay, so we checked in last week multiple times. We're checking in with you again this weekend. A lot's changed over that course of time. From a free agency standpoint, give us the update. Who do you think has done well? And are there any teams that you're a little shocked that haven't done more? You know, great question, Rich, because obviously there have been some pretty surprising developments. As I was saying a couple of days ago, if, if, you're, if your Final Four, when this whole hot stove started, was Correa with the Twins, Freddie Freeman with the Dodgers, Chris Bryant and the Rockies, and Kenley Jansen and the Braves, then God bless you, because I don't think anybody in the world had those four those four teams pairing up with those four players. So it's been a very surprising hot stove season. And Correa's 
contract was a stunner on a lot of different levels. Of course, he does have the opt-outs after each of the first two seasons, but I think a lot of people in the industry thought, especially after he switched agents, that he was going to be heading for a $300 million deal. Of course, he gets the position player all-time record uh, for the average annual value, so that that is certainly one significant achievement from the Twins, uh, but obviously it is a short-term deal where you would expect him to come back in the marketplace a year from now. So very, very interesting strategy by Correa. Of course, as we know, Minnesota, not the easiest place to get off to a hot start. Uh, Quite literal uh, pun there from the standpoint of the weather in April is not great hitting weather, so with all the pressure of a new contract and still contract here for Correa, uh, maybe not the best environment, but he certainly has proven everybody wrong before, and, and we have seen that many times that when the, the spotlight is shining brightest, he performs the best. So I think that's pretty unique. Uh, Freeman and his deal to go back home to Southern California, a very unique deal, of course, once the Braves made their move with Matt Olson, that was the most logical move that Freeman was going to go to the Dodgers, and so he did that. Brian to the Rockies, whoa, surprise there. I think that was something that a lot lot of people were not expecting. And then even this morning, Trevor Story in the Red Sox. Looks like Story's going to play some second base with Xander Bogart staying at short. Now, potentially, Story could move over to shortstop once um, Bogart becomes a free agent when the season is over. But as it stands now, when you go second base, short, and third with Story and Bogarts at short and, and obviously Devers at third base, that's a very, very potent lineup for Boston. So Alex Cora uh, and his team keeping pace with the Yankees and the Blue Jays for sure in the American League East. All right, let's get back to the Chris Bryant signing. I'm reading a story in the line said earlier this week, superstar third baseman Chris Bryant signed a seven-year, $182 million deal with the Rockies. Uh, he might have been a superstar, but that 265, 353, 481 uh, line last year is hardly superstar. And then there's Nolan Arenado saying, whoa, 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 hold on. What? What happened here? You right. gave all that money to Chris Bryant. Now it's it's a new regime in Colorado, but if you're a Rockies fan, you got to be shaking your head like, well, why didn't you spend that money on the guy that truly is a superstar, Nolan Arenado? Well, you're right, and of course there is even more money due from the Rockies to the Cardinals next season uh, because, of course, Arnado can opt out after this coming year, and so there's actually even more cash coming the Cardinals' way where the overall cash outlay for Bryant and and Arnado together from the Rockies' perspective is going to be up above $40 million. So to your point, why not just keep him? But then again, I think Arnado was going to leave after this coming season anyhow, and, and they were able to save a little bit of money in 2021, and certainly ownership, that is their, uh, that is their prerogative, at least in the way the rules are written in Major League Baseball, and they have gone ahead and, and done that. I do think your point about Bryant's recent performance is, is fair. Uh, if you go back his last 178 games, 2020 was obviously a shortened season due to the pandemic. He was injured that year and was playing hurt for part of it and his overall his OPS plus over the last two seasons is 113 so 13% above the major league average OPS of 796 so so to your point not superstar level performance although we did bounce back in a pretty impressive way while playing with the San Francisco Giants and certainly Colorado a great place to hit so I get it I understand why Bill Schmidt wanted him I also understand the criticisms of, of ownership to say wait a minute now you're paying out way more money than you would have had to pay if you just kept Nolan and that 
that is true uh, at this moment in time. But uh, the, the Rockies were at least able to save some money for 2021 and bring back a little bit of talent in the, in the Arenado deal. I fully agree with those that are criticizing them. But I also think that when you take a look at the new CBA and Rockies owner Dick Montfort was part of the negotiating committee on the owner's side, perhaps you know, from Dick Montfort's perspective, listening to the conversations at the industry level the last couple of months, he may well have decided that it was important for him and his team to send a message about their competitiveness. And at least on that measure, they have done that with the signing of Chris Bryant. What is the rest of Major League Baseball going to do against the Dodgers with the lineup they have? I mean, you know, you're you're hearkening back to the 20s with the Yankees, at least in a preseason on paper with a lineup that looks like this. I realize Bellinger and Mookie Betts had down years a season ago, but just at least on paper, as a prelude to this season, have you in your lifetime seen a better lineup? You know, I'd have to really think about it and some other great ones that come to mind. Certainly those great Yankee lineups, although really you even go back to the you know, late 90s Yankees, you, you might say some of the other teams we've seen win World Series in recent years, but it, it really is hard to come up with a better lineup than what we are, that we're about to see with the Los Angeles Dodgers, especially to your point, if Mookie and Bellinger bounce back, then you're effectively adding <laughs> how many MVPs in one lineup then? Because Mookie's won an MVP, <laughs> Bellinger's won an MVP, Freeman's won an MVP, and you may have some future MVPs in that group as well. So it's an embarrassment of riches. Trey Turner's an MVP type player as well. They have lost Seager, and certainly they are expecting that Freeman's presence will give them a nice counterbalance to that while also getting stronger with with Mookie bouncing back. I I think that's probably the important point to make is really – since the middle part of last year, or if you want to say maybe since the end of 2020, you would say they've lost Kike, they've lost Seager, they've added, obviously, Turner, and now added Freeman. I think in that exchange, they're better. They've also retained Chris Taylor. They hope to get a healthy A.J. Pollock for the full season. It's going to be a fun team to watch play. There's no question about that. They've, of course, retained uh, Justin Turner since the end of, of 2020 as well. Will Smith is getting better and better by the year. There are no outs in this lineup. And, and of course, they now have the benefit of the DH. And I think that's probably one of the key parts of what this team has been able to do is, is really you don't add Freddie Freeman if you're the Dodgers unless you have the universal DH. That is absolutely essential to that equation because now you can rotate through Turner, Muncy, and Freeman. It's just a great team. It's a great team in every way, and Dave Roberts, one of the great managers of our time, will know exactly how to get the most out of it. The New York Yankees are always a team in the news, and they made an interesting decision. So they ended up trading Luke Voigt to the Padres for a minor league pitcher, and they signed Rizzo. Luke was one of those really weird guys. We all remember when he was acquired by the Yankees in 2018, and he just went on that tear. I mean, he had 14 home runs in only 39 games with the Yankees. Two years later, in the shortened season, he led the majors in home runs. How how did that play out as far as them deciding we're going to turn the page on him and reach out to get Rizzo? Well, it's a fair question. Uh, he was inconsistent last year. Injuries were a part of that. They're also very right-handed. And so they wanted to get that lefty bat of Rizzo back into their lineup, and, and that gave them a bit more balance. It's, it's certainly, for me, the Yankees always work best when they have 
significant left-handed slug. Uh, not that I was covering the, the Yankees of Ruth and Gehrig and Reggie Jackson, but I was at least aware of how they won. Yes. <laughs> and they always had significant lefty bats in that ballpark in the Bronx. Different ballpark now, but same dimensions, and, and uh, equally important to have that lefty power there. So I think some of it's voice inconsistency last year from a from a health standpoint and productivity. Rizzo also a better defender than Voight and, and just wanting to achieve that left-right balance. I also think the Padres did well to get him. You know, at, at the end of the day, you bought low on a guy who had shown that he has top-of-the-scale home run power. And for a team that's going to be without Tatis for half the season, that's a really good play on the Padres' part. So I, I like the way they've handled that. I think that was a very wise move on the Padres' part to, to buy low on someone who's done it before. And, and they're going to be getting a very highly motivated Luke Voigt because, to your point, at this time last year, Voigt appeared to be very much a part of the Yankees' future, and very quickly that, that became not the case. And I think when that happens, it's a matter of, okay, uh, are you going to prove the Yankees right? or prove them wrong. And I think it's all up to Luke Voigt with how he plays right now for the San Diego Padres, certainly at a time when they're looking to move on from contracts of the likes of Eric Cosmer and Will Myers. All right, so if you're Michigan Wolverines and my UCLA Bruins both make it to the Final Four, I'll see you in New Orleans? I wish. I wish, my friend. I, I wish I could be there. Now I'm fortunate, Steve and Rich, to say – that I am busy with baseball. If I were not so busy with baseball, I, I might say that I would see the Final Four, but I think I'm going to have to uh, stay with, with my primary sport or sports up because, of course, NHL trade deadline tomorrow. So we've there got all go. kinds of action there. The Michigan might go to the Frozen Four, too, in hockey. So it's a great time of year. I will talk about all of it. I'll probably just have to stay <laughs> physically at the ballpark. Well, we always appreciate the time, JP. We'll talk to you next week. All the best, my friends. Have a wonderful week ahead. I love this time of year. It is a great time to say. It's a great time all year long. It's sports. You can't beat it. John Paul Morosi joining us there, our MLB insider. And yes, he also works with the NHL Network. He likes to remind us every single week. All right, let's find out what's tra- uh, trending right now. Keeping our eye on this March Madness. And uh, by the way, did you see the huge sacks of food that were just brought in uh, into uh, the opposite side of the window, Mr. Gascon? No, I did. What what food was brought in there? Oh, yeah. Ryan and uh, Sam, huge sacks of food. What'd you guys bring? They had lunch. Iowa, look at me when I'm talking to you. Oh, boy. Yeah. I can't leave here. Uh, It wasn't me, Dave. So who the hell was it? Ryan facilitated this, but, you know, you can continue to disparage my Hawkeyes. uh, You get nothing. What the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) He's doubling down. I can't believe this. I can't believe it. So first, he doesn't bring in any food for David Gascon. Then he says, listen... I had enough time to make my breakfast burritos for me and me alone. I ordered fresh burritos. By the way, by the way, Ryan walked in the door with so much food he needed a dolly to bring it in. These two bags, one of those furniture dollies. It was was unbelievable. It's like a refrigerator mover. You better hook me up, Ryan. You're not going to see your wedding day. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. It is soon approaching. He's on the phone right now. He's making calls. Who's he talking to? I don't know. Ordering up dinner right now. (laughs) Probably his fiance. Straight BS. Guys, uh, Villanova right now leading Ohio State by 9, 31-22. There's about 4.20 to play in the first half of that affair. Uh, Earlier today, Houston took apart Illinois. They led by four at the end of the first half and then pulled away nicely in the second half. Taze Moore had 21 points, 9-16 from the field. Three Cougars, in fact, were in double-digit scoring. Just the lone one 
for Illinois. They got beat shooting 34% from the field, so their season is over and done with. Michigan State and Duke is on deck. Iowa State and Wisconsin also later on today. National Football League, Broncos restructure the contract for Cortland Sutton. As you guys have talked about, JP, Trevor's story goes to the Red Sox on a six-year deal. Giants have signed left-handed pitcher Matthew Boyd, a one-year deal that will pay him $5.5 million. Minnesota Twins have transferred right-handed pitcher Kenton Maeda to the 60-day injured list. He has an elbow injury. Back to you guys. All right, thank you. Oh, wait a minute. Steve, what What? What happened? Oh, my gosh. I forgot to tell you guys. What happened? Oh no! A 10 seed in Creighton embarrasses the Iowa oh, Hawkeyes that, that. on home court oh, today, that, that. 64 to 62. Creighton won the game, guys. They shot 36% from the field mm. and still won. If you're the state of Iowa, you have to be embarrassed. Mm. All right. Wow. Thank you. A lot of, a lot <laughs> of hurt. All right. This is a cigarette. Do you feel and I like we're like oh. just sitting in the stands right now watching this back and forth? You know, I was I was watching some uh, UFC action oh, yeah, today. Uh, did you see this yesterday? And I mean, yeah. there was one, I don't know. I, I make I, I think it was Smith was the guy. Anyway, it was a bloody battle. And there was a knockout. It was just like right on the button knockout. And these two guys are hugging each other, bloodied beyond belief, right? I mean, they have just beaten the crap out of it. Are we ever going to see that with Iowa Sam? And after, even though they have bloodied each other, that there's going to be that warm embrace, sort of that mutual respect that I saw in the octagon Uh, uh, with the UFC. Are we ever going to see that day come? Here's my thought process. I, I mean, they are bitter rivals. Yeah. As it stands, oh, but oftentimes, yeah. once you've uh, once you've drawn blood from mm-hmm. your opponent, mm-hmm. you realize they're a warrior too. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. So I, I mean, I do, I do think it's possible. But then again, there's mm. plenty of hatred here. Yeah. I don't know how to call it. And thank goodness we have Ryan Bershinger, our producer, uh, on site because he's a uh, he's a bouncer by trade at night, mm. and he wears that tight black T-shirt here, and he crosses his arms and stands in between a uh, mm. gas guy and Sam to keep the peace and otherwise I'd be very nervous to even show up to the Fox Sports a little Radio tricep studio. flex yeah enough yeah right there yeah a exactly flex of the tricep he, he tries to wanna... puff out the bicep show off a little uh, vascularity yeah just I just want to eat these... my burrito all right guys as I uh, I'm tired as I, of being tormented as I go into my corner I just want to let you guys know that uh, Lauren Jensen had 19 points for Creighton and all right well congratulations to the great women thanks for putting all that attention on women's basketball when you really do none of it all myself. year yeah. Yeah. Great. 10 seed moves on to the Sweet 16. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. They're running some highlights of the game right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Villanova now leading Ohio State by a score of 33-22. to 22. So Villanova looking pretty good right now. And suddenly the Big Ten is uh, taking on water. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Next up for the Big Ten will be Michigan State taking on Duke. A team, by the way, that Rich Ornberger predicts will get to the championship game. Your champion, Tennessee, is out uh, but uh, Duke uh, 
Or did you already throw away your bracket? How does it work for you? What's your champion? I, I mean, my, my champion is the volunteers. So, yeah. I, I mean, we are dead in the water, as they say, mm. in um, hunting, I believe. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, maybe boating. I, I'm not a boater <laughs> or a hunter by trade. Uh, but I will say this. Yeah, the, the volunteers, I was expecting fueled by revenge from being slighted with their seating entering the bracket would have uh, would have really dominated their corner of the this madness and they haven't and so uh that's depressing and then on the other side of it duke i mean look i mean nothing to lose now right i mean you got you got coach k to the sweet 16 but i'm hoping that they at least last maybe if they're i haven't looked at all my opponents brackets in the leagues i'm in but i'm hoping that a lot of people went out on a limb and uh, as a result of my selections, I can I can get near the top. Uh, last night was a uh, an interesting Saturday night for me. Very yeah. much a departure from my Sunday nights of more than twenty years. So for most of these years, as everyone knows, I'm a radio guy. I, I do radio seven days a week, and I can never get enough radio. I can never get enough of the sound of my own voice, apparently, yeah. uh, which is the fact. But th- I've been also doing television on weekends for most of the last twenty four years in Los Angeles, and I'm no longer on a regular basis doing weekend television. So yesterday, when we got done, I, instead of going directly to a TV station where I would hang out until midnight, I went back to the house to watch UCLA. I watched the Gonzaga game last night against Memphis. I didn't even know what to do with myself. Like, I'm like, I'm going to actually have dinner and I'm sitting there with, you know, my son and we've got the dogs hanging out. I went to bed early. Like, and, and tonight's even more so rich. I mean, I'm heading back to San Diego from LA and you and I, of course, start our show at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. And usually Sunday into Monday, I'm working on about two and a half hours sleep, trying to jam it. I'm going to have a full night's sleep. I mean, you're going to see a very different Steve Hartman tomorrow morning. Do you understand I'm excited that? for that. Yeah. I'm excited that for that, especially since I've seen the same Steve Hartman every day for 14 straight days. Right, and you got five <laughs> more coming up after this. People don't understand the whole dynamics of doing radio with a partner. They just, I always put it this way. Imagine if your significant other, right? Right, And yeah. you already spent a lot of time with them. But imagine at any point of your day, with your significant other being locked into a room for, let's say, three hours and having conversation back and forth with your significant other <laughs> every single day for a three-hour period. So like you and your wife, Ann. So, yeah. so right in the middle of the day, you right. put the boys aside and you sure. say, all right, we're going to lock ourselves and we're going to be on the air talking back and forth for three hours. How would right. that play out? You yeah, think? we'd be divorced in a week. I mean, in, <laughs> you're doing it every day, you see? There would be no there's chance. There's nothing normal about no, it. No, no, This no, is like planes, trains, no. and automobiles, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, that's nothing, exactly right. There's nothing yeah. normal about the process. It's like I thought I left him off the train and somehow he's on the caboose, but you know, it, it, it just, it, it, listen. It, it's Groundhog's it, Day. It keeps repeating itself over and over again. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the phone call midweek from mm-hmm. Scott Shapiro, our uh, our boss and director of all things Fox Sports yeah. Radio, sometime around Wednesday where he goes, hey, listen, 
Hey, listen, we got one more day for you. No, no, no. One more you, day. You got the notice this week. I got good news and bad news. This is Scott, right? I got good news and bad news. And you say, well, what's the bad news? And he says, well, basically, it depends on how you view the good news. In other words, the good news, <laughs> I do have a Saturday available to you if you would like, but it also means another shift with Hartman. So That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, I, how about that? The good outweighed the bad. I, I will say this, though. I You know, there are certain times of the year, and this is one of them, if you're a sports fan, no. if you're a sports enthusiast, if you're somebody who works, mm-hmm. um, you know, like we do in concert with sports, I, they, I, I can't get enough of this. Yeah. I mean, the, the truth is, and this is the truth, if I weren't on the air with you, I'd be chasing around a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and I, my, exactly. eyes, my eyes wouldn't be glued to a television screen at every commercial break. Shoot, during some of these segments, you're talking to me, and I'm watching Ohio State try to drain threes and such, so it, it, it's just impossible to take your eyes off the March Madness action, and so any excuse to talk more about this, uh, the better, because this is been a fun tournament it's been really even games they've seeded this extremely well we've seen upsets we've got a cinderella that lives in new jersey st peter's coming out of nowhere making it to the sweet 16 i mean life is good right now if you're into this well if you listen on weekends here you know i open every show the same way live in the dream and we are and we never forget about that and we appreciate you uh that you're along for the ride all right coming up on the other side uh an update on the Deshaun Watson contract with the Cleveland Browns. Coming up next, pure gibberish. Get out of my way. We need to set up for Madonna. (laughs) Oh, that. (laughs) Oh. Ah. See where we're going with this, Rich? Oh, yeah. All hell's broken loose today. All right, I, Get out of my way. We need to set up for Madonna. <laughs> um, all right. I, I want to uh, try to get some uh, serious news in here today. Okay. Uh, sure. And, uh, and it gets back to Deshaun Watson. Uh, if you missed this a little bit earlier, we got into some of the details of the Watson five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract, the largest fully guaranteed contract in the history of the National Football League. I mean, just keep that in mind. A guy that did not play a single play last year, a guy that's still facing 22 civil suits right now, could still be facing criminal charges on a federal level, depending on what comes out of these civil suits, and that the Browns are all the way in. And here's what I'm trying to get to is Browns' ownership has talked about the fact that they did – extensive research into Deshaun Watson before completing the trade. Now, remember, he is still denying all charges, that if there were any sexual activity between he and these 22 women, it was consensual. That's coming from Rusty Harden, his attorney. And again, we'll see how this plays out in these civil suits. But you're making an incredible commitment to a guy that regardless of of how these civil suits play out, he still will say it's a he said, she said thing. And I don't know how that plays in Cleveland. I don't know if it's different if you're a successful quarterback as opposed to a Harvey Weinstein or a Bill Cosby or other high-level celebrities that have faced similar charges from multitude of women. 
But this is, you know, the the NFL, they have suspended players for accusations from just a single woman for up to six games. We don't know how the NFL is going to react to all this. So I just, at this point, you know, they want to move forward, right? We're going to move forward, and we like what we heard directly from Deshaun Watson. Boy, I would like to have been in on some of those conversations. I mean, seriously, what what do you think Deshaun Watson could have said to him to the the owner owner of the Browns to say, "Oh, okay, we're good. We're, we'll definitely give you all the money you want." I, I would love to hear what his answer to that question was. Yeah, I, I listen. I, I I don't know. I don't know if it matters what Deshaun Watson said. Um, I really don't. I, I, I don't I don't know what the process was essentially and we, we we will never know what the process was for the Cleveland Browns prior to making this decision. Um but I do know this on its surface, with the very minimal information that we have based on the confidentiality of, you know, civil litigation and things like that, um it just doesn't feel all that great, right? Now, maybe that opinion publicly, you know, from a majority public standpoint, will change over time with more information available. I think that's unlikely, but we'll see. Um, this whole situation has to play out. But what I do know is this. There are right now 22 separate women um, with civil suits, active civil suits against Deshaun Watson um, on um, – alleged uh, uh, sexual misconduct and sexual assault. And the Cleveland Browns gave him a $230 million contract fully guaranteed. You know, so when you have that information and you're asked, how do you feel about it? I mean, from a moral standpoint, it's difficult to feel good about it if you're a fan of the NFL, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. I, I mean... But that's where we're at because that's the information we have, you know, and and you could be the Cleveland Browns and say, hey, look, you know, as an ownership group, we put in the full comprehensive research with this and we feel good about the decision. Maybe they should have led us into their process a little bit more. Maybe they would have had more support because right now they're getting bashed publicly. They are. And again, you can make the argument that, I mean, let's let's face it, Kareem Hunt is a member of the Cleveland Browns. And when we have video of Kareem Hunt kicking a woman on the ground, that's why the Chiefs released him and the Browns took a chance on him. And it doesn't seem to have had an adverse effect. I don't know. If you're a Browns fan, does it matter what comes out? Any more details about Deshaun Watson? I guess we're going to find out in the very near future. We continue on. Keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, much more to come on a big Sunday in the sports world. This is Fox Sports Sunday, Hartman and Orenberger with you from our Fox Sports Radio studios. Once again, brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. I would imagine there are a lot of people in Vegas this first week of the NCAA tournament. I used to do that with some of my buddies every year. We'd go to Vegas and, wow, those you talk about a decadent weekend Betting on games, I mean, 16 on Thursday, 16 on Friday, 8 on Saturday, 8 on Sunday. You can do a lot of damage. 
Oh, yeah. A lot of damage uh, if you go the wrong direction. In fact, I had one year, this goes back to when I was still in school, or I'd just gotten out of, I think it was in my last year at UCLA. And so the, the, the NCAA tournament opens up, and I have five games I've bet on the first day. So the And they wasn't a 64-team field then. I think it was at 48. But I made five bets the first day. And I lost all five. I mean, think about that for a second, right? I mean, every game's a coin flip, right? So the odds of you losing all five games in one day seems preposterous. Like, that that's just not going to happen. So confidently, the next day, I bet on six more games. I'll make up for the five I lost and even come out on top. I lost all six games. <laughs> Now, this this is what convinced me at a very early stage in life, thankfully, that I am not good when it comes to betting. And you've you've been eyewitness to this over the years, Rich. My 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 abilities as a prognosticator are legendarily bad. But from an <laughs> right, act, right. but it doesn't cost me money because I don't put money on. It was so bad, I literally bet away three months rent. I mean, I I had to go to my father. And beg him <laughs> oh to pay gosh. my rent for three months. I lost three months' rent. And, and I don't know your dad I'm personally. Your father, he was Larry. not. Making <laughs> but, that call was not easy. I I'm, promise you, Bill Hartman. <laughs> I mean, I was like, but I had no other. I literally lost three months' rent in two days. Yeah. Yeah. At a time oh. when I, you know. I was a starving student. You know, I was already on my own, you know, as one of those things. You know, my dad had already sent me adrift saying, you're on your own. And this is this is the call that he probably anticipated at some point. But the idea that it came because of gambling on the NCAA basketball tournament, it was the double whammy. Uh, I'll put it this way. He gave me the rent, but there was a lot attached to that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So I I, I I I admire those that say that they are successful gamblers. I don't know how much I should believe them, but there's a whole lot of gambling going on right now with these tournament games. And what we've seen so far, I don't know how you could possibly place a bet on any of these games. I don't know how you could possibly figure out which way any of these games are going to go this season. I agree with you. I I this this college basketball postseason has been as unpredictable as a matter of fact i can't wait until i I, you know obviously i'm enjoying the ride but when this thing gets summed up when we know who the national champion is i'm very curious if if upset records will be broken over the course of this postseason because it feels like we're we're on that path, doesn't it? I, I don't know what other surprises loom in the distant or near future for this tournament, but it's been an absolute blast watching because, like you said, it's just so difficult to predict, and sports are at their best when they're difficult to predict. Of the nine teams that have already advanced to the Sweet 16 based on their seeding, one, two, three, four, we're not expected to be there. So in other words, if you are a top four seed, right, those are the teams that should be in the Sweet 16, one through four in each of the four regions. But also, right, already we have a five seed Houston advancing. 
an 11 seed Michigan has advanced, an 8 seed North Carolina has moved on, and of course the ultimate St. Peter's. How many people at St. Peter's? They're 15 seed advancing to the Sweet 16. And I'm looking at the rest of the matchups today. I mean, for instance, you got Notre Dame, right, against Texas Tech. Texas Tech's a three seed, blew out Montana State in the first round. Notre Dame started in the first four. Then they upset Alabama. I mean, there's an 11 seed that can move on. We'll talk about this Michigan State, a seven seed going against Duke. I'm sorry, Izzo versus Coach K, that's a toss-up to me. Um Texas against Purdue. Don't you have Texas in the Final Four? I do have Texas in the Final Four. Right. They they're t- a six seed, and they're playing the three seed Purdue later on today. Yeah. In fact, I want to say I have – jeez. So you had Duke, Texas, Tennessee, and I'm trying to figure out the other team you had moving on. Was it Wisconsin? No, it was Iowa. It was Oh, that's right. It was yeah. Iowa. Wow. Yeah, wow. I got sold a dream by that Sammy over That whole side of that bracket is like gone. Oh, it is brutal. When I look at that side of the bracket, it makes me just want to throw up. I mean, he just but, crossed off everything. Yeah. Oh, I, it's a mess. No, I had Iowa. I had going up. to the Sweet 16. <laughs> Uh, nah, can again, we just get off the Iowa topic, well, please? We're, just, we're looking at our brackets <laughs> right I have now. been raked over the coals this oh, weekend. No, I know. Well, bad. you know what? Next week we'll forget all about sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. never we'll never bring this up again. Uh, yeah. I'm sure of it. Uh, I am sure of it. But I, I just, I mean, I'm looking at the rest of the games today. I mean, Iowa State, Wisconsin. There's yeah. a game where you could see an upset there. I mean, it sure. doesn't yeah. seem likely, but Iowa State took care of business against LSU. Um, so I, I just, I, I just, I always go back to that 1981. That's what it was. 1981 NCAA tournament was a life changer for me because I learned very early on. I have no idea what I'm talking about in terms of making predictions for games. I can break it all down. I can give you reasons on both sides. I can break down the, I can do it all that, but coming to pick down winners, mm, that that's the beauty of sports. Is it not? Yeah. If it was I mean, all it predictable, we don't, you know, it would not make any sense for us. Well, this and this is also the reason why sports are the most viewed live programming, mm-hmm. you know, on planet Earth. This is the reason why network broadcast partners will pay literally billions of dollars a year in order to carry live sports. This is the reason why advertisers during the Super Bowl will pay millions of dollars for 30-second advertisements because the amount of interest there are in sports and and the ability to influence based on these programming opportunities. Think about March Madness. Think about how many people right now are watching Ohio State and Villanova. And then also think about the fact that the majority of those people neither care about Ohio State or Villanova. They don't follow the program. They couldn't even tell you who Villanova's head coach is. He's a famous man. They don't care. What they care about is the fact that this is interesting because you're getting opportunities to see something unpredictable bear out live in living color, and it's single elimination, which increases the urgency and it's fun when you're doing something that everybody else is doing. Why should Super Bowl Sunday and, frankly, Super Bowl Monday be a national holiday? Well, it's because everybody together is doing something at the same time in the nation. It's fun. It's fun to be a part of the sports community, especially when it's at its best. And March Madness is an example of when it's at its best. I'm reading the uh, number one headline on one of the major sports sites Creighton stuns Iowa, holds Clark to 15 points. 
Well, you know, the women's game is getting a little respect. If that is the biggest story of the day, is Creighton knocking out uh, Iowa and Caitlin Clark. There you go. Yeah, because she was the Big Ten Player of the Year and could be National Player of the Year. Right. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's you know, they had a lot you know, of attention this year. Can I, I want to I want to mention this because uh, as far as the women's tournament is concerned, so the first time the women ever had a Final Four in basketball was way back in 1978. The AIAW, as it was then known before they became an NCA uh, sport, uh, as far as women's sports, except in the NCA uh, in the 82 season, uh, was held at Poly Pavilion, the legendary home of UCLA basketball. And UCLA won that year, led by the great Ann Myers, uh, of course. And uh, But I, I think back, and I've always said this about women's basketball, I, I and I see this a little bit more now, but when UConn was having their great one with Ariema and they were you know breaking records, ninety straight wins and all these incredible records, and they kept putting it up against the men's game. Like remember that it was like, well, UConn women broke John Wooden's record at UCLA. They won eighty eight in a row, and UConn's won ninety. I'm like, no, they didn't break that record. They don't. I. It's a disservice to the women. They can stand on their own. Um, the women's game is a different game. They have a fan base out there. Obviously, we have one right here in Iowa. Sam, big fan of the women's game and his Iowa Hawkeyes. But the idea that you have to compare them or somehow hold their records up against the men's records to somehow validate their records, enough. Don't do that anymore. They can stand on their own. They have a long history right now. The NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament has been going on for 40 years. So I, I, you know, I, I applaud the women out there, uh, and uh, they got their tournament going on right now. And just like the men, you don't know upsets galore. That's good because that shows the depth of the women's program. The more depth they have, the better the overall sport. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is just a special time of the year because you have March Madness, which leaves, leads into the Masters, which leads into the NFL draft. Uh, I mean, the, the draft in the NFL has become one of the seminal events on the sports calendar based off of how quickly we see these draft picks have an impact on the professional ranks in the given sport. And the Masters, it goes without saying, the tradition and the, the players who are available Available to play in that tournament and then and the exclusivity and all that and then you look at March Madness and it's just one of those opportunities again to see I, I there there's something special about college athletics still because even though it's the face of college sports are changing and we're seeing name image and likeness and major dollars being spent on athletes at the college level now it still feels in some ways more pure than professional basketball, right? Yeah. It's like, because again, a St. Peter's is a single one of those kids getting paid millions of dollars to play for St. Peter's. No, no. But the kids out of Jersey city from the small 2000, uh, 2000 uh, students, Jesuit school. And you know, they're, they've advanced to the sweet 16 and, there's something very special about that. I don't know. I think some of the local pizza joints are ready to pony up right now. Name, image, likeness. Guys, come on in. 
free pizzas for everybody after a run to the Sweet 16. Uh, it is an interesting dynamic in college sports right now because some are making money. Some are making some serious coin these days. But overall, to me, when I'm watching the NCAA tournament, man, it's still just pure basketball. All right, uh, we'll get much more on the March Madness situation. Uh, a couple of other NFL notes have just come down. We'll bring you updates coming up next. Butt rock. Butt rock. But Rocco Clock. I feel like Iowa Sam's on edge. Yeah, yeah. It's been a rough think, couple of days. Yeah. But Rocco Clock. He feels attacked. <laughs> yeah. He feels. No, I just. He feels ashamed. Yeah. All that. Oh, every day, all day. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a rough time. I mean, his his oh. men went down. The women yeah. went down. The tournament's no, tough. I, but he's uh he's now turned his attention to Iowa State. That's his fallback. <sighs> yeah, I will be watching them. The Hawkeyes closely. went down. The Cyclones will deliver. Uh, That's usually the case, sadly. Sadly, that is the case. Uh, By the way, hiring, heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to track, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. And speaking of Indeed, with the tournament in full gear, be sure to check out the Bracket Challenge standings at FoxSportsRadio.com for Fox Sports Radio's Million Dollar Bracket Challenge Powered by Indeed. One of the intriguing NFL teams in this offseason to me, without question, is the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, for a decade now, the Seahawks have been in the mix every single year. At some point, like, is this going to be a year? They won a Super Bowl. They lost a Super Bowl. They've been a perennial playoff team as soon as, you know, as, as recently as two years ago. And then it just all fell apart in 2021, and now the leader of your offense, Russell Wilson, is gone. The re- leader of your defense, Bobby Wagner, is gone. Now, today, the Seahawks re-sign Rashad Penny. Now, he was a bit of a surprise late in the season. The former first-round pick out of San Diego State had just had one injury after another, and then all of a sudden, for the last five games, he had at least 130 yards rushing, and he will stay with the Seahawks. But I want to connect him to another team right now, Rich, and that's the Packers. Still trying to figure out the wide receiver situation after Devontae Adams was dealt to the Raiders. Now, one of the possible trade wide receivers, Robert Woods, is off the books. He was traded to the Tennessee Titans. Of course, the Rams adding Allen Robinson to their roster. But I'm looking at Metcalf, and I'm looking at Lockett. I mean, you got two perennial 1,000-yard receivers that have had great success in Seattle. And remember, Metcalf's only 24 years of age. You got the added draft potential trade capital uh, that the Packers acquired in the Raiders deal. Lockett, 29. Metcalf, 24. What do you think? I mean, is there a possibility that the Seattle uh, is going to go in a different direction as far as their offense is concerned? Do you think these guys are expendable? Are they worth a first-round pick or more if you're the Green Bay Packers? Um, Look, you know, I think it's possible. Uh, I definitely think it's possible, but I think, look, I, I mean, is Seattle in a complete rebuild? Is mm. this a complete teardown? I'm asking you. I could see other, well, look, DK Metcalf potentially. How about this? You know, there is a team that is really definitely made it clear uh, that they're in, uh, you know, they're starting over and they have an older receiver that matches up well 
with the Packers potentially at the end of his deal in, in Houston, and that's Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is coming off back-to-back 1,000-plus-yard reception years. Uh, He's been doing it at least last season with a combination of Davis Mills and other backups. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, DK Metcalf, I'm I'm, (laughs) – I mean, does – does he want to go to the Green Bay Packers? I'm sure he would. But do the do the Seattle Seahawks want to send him? The well, answer, let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so you talk about Metcalf. Let's talk about Lockett for a second. Yeah, sure. All right, so in 2021, Lockett had 20 deep receptions and 74 deep receiving yards. That was tops in the NFL in both those stats. I mean, he averaged over 16 yards of reception which in this day and age is a big number for wide receivers. So if you're Aaron Rodgers right now and you're trying to fill the void, I'm not saying replace Devontae Adams, but starting to find ways to fill the void, are you looking for a possession guy? Are you looking for a deep threat? I mean, look at that Packers offense right now. What is the greater need? Um, You're looking for... I think uh, I, I think you're looking for a consistent target. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, look, Lazard and Lazard can spread the field for you. I th- I think you're looking for more importantly than Devonte Adams being such a dynamic receiver with the ball in his hands. He was just always open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're looking for a guy who's just always open. Like when when it all else fails, high catch percentage guy, you know, those are the type of guys that really fit well to fill a void like that because especially a veteran, like somebody who can step in immediately and give uh and give Aaron Rodgers targets and and catches because when all else fails, who are you going to turn to? It used to be Devontae Adams. Who are you going to turn to now? I think, again, when we look at all these, now, the the knock on Metcalf has always been, I mean, physically, the guy's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean we're looking like uh, Megatron, right? I mean, we're t- looking at one of the biggest receivers out there. He's 24 years of age. But there has been a certain level of inconsistency. Now, if he were to go to the Packers, now I understand this. He is in the last year of his rookie deal. So cost-wise, it's like a dream if you're the Packers. But the only way you make this deal – is that you're going to give him a long-term deal down the road. Is he the kind of guy that will stay motivated for you? This is the biggest question that all these general managers have around the NFL. You're like, the rookie contract's over. They're all looking for the big payday in that second deal. But are they going to stay motivated? Right. And and, and about I, a young guy like Metcalf, are you, are you 100% convinced a guy like Devontae Adams? Motivated. Big time. Motivated, right? Is Metcalf that kind of guy if he gets that mega deal from the Packers? Well, well I mean, we'll, we'll – only time will tell and you just have to do an you know thorough investigation on a guy's makeup that's the reason why also I think that you're talking about a relatively short window left with Aaron Rodgers I understand they just signed him to a long-term deal but how much of that deal will he play out I mean is he going to retire next offseason I don't know but I guarantee it's going to be a storyline heading into the offseason regardless of where they tap out whether they don't make the playoffs whether they make the playoffs and they get snuffed or they make it all the way to the Super Bowl and win the thing. 
I mean, the conversation about will or will not Aaron Rodgers be back is going to be an ongoing off-season tradition until he finally does hang up the cleats for good. So I, I sort of feel like you got to pair him with somebody who's more walking that life than than a DK Metcalf. You know, I like a Jarvis Landry in free agency is another name that keeps coming to my mind with the Packers. Um, like I said, Brandon Cooks makes more sense age-wise with Aaron Rodgers, too. He's coming off of two successful seasons with the Texans. The Texans are probably shopping a deal for him to take some money off the books and give them some draft capital to play with as they get younger. You know, I, I just don't know if DK Metcalf is a fit from the standpoint of where the organization's at. Otherwise, why don't you sign... Devonte Adams again. I, I guess if Adams really didn't want to be there, there was nothing you could do. But they could have made that commitment earlier to Adams, you know, before this past season, if they wanted to stay young and and sign a receiver to a long term contract. Well, the part of that was they didn't know the situation with Aaron Rodgers, right? I get it. I mean, that I, was. I mean, I mean it was I'm, like know. you know, we it was two things going on. They kept saying, "Well, these are two separate situations." Well, as it turned out, they were right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came back, and Devontae Adams wanted out, and he ends up with the Raiders. All right, uh, much more coming up. Back to the March Madness. But first, let's find out what's trending once again, David Gascon. Well, you've had a field day today. I have. Wow. I'm like a I'm like a pig in slop. Wow. Yes, yes. A fat kid with cake. <laughs> I'm like mm. I'm like USC back in the day against an SEC foe. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> That's an onslaught. It's good. Yeah. It's real good. <laughs> hey, with the way that Brady takes care of himself, I know that the age is a discrepancy here, but who's more likely to fall off the cliff first, Brady or Rogers? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, because I, I, it's difficult to predict when Brady, if Brady, if we get to see Brady fall apart. I would say this. Just given the way they've sacrificed their bodies at different times, you sort of feel like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, well, a, that's a coin flip. I'll put it this way. If Tom Brady, who threw more than 700 passes this year, I, the guy was <laughs> averaging ridiculous. over 40 attempts a game I, I, for an entire 17-game season. I mean, at some point, I don't care what you're doing to keep your body in tune. The arm has only got so many pitches. I mean, 719 pass attempts in 17 games. If he has to pull that kind of number again, at some point it's going to take its toll. Man, I just have a hard time believing he wasn't the league MVP. Well, but I mean, led the uh, NFL in passing yards, everything touchdown passes, uh, yards per game. Yeah, I mean – but I, Aaron Rodgers' team had a better record. Yeah, that was simply why he was the MVP. I uh, I think of some contemporaries that, that did a pretty good job of taking care of their bodies. Ladanian Tomlinson, mm-hmm. Mar- Marvin Harrison, they never took big shots. I think Brady does a good job compared to Rodgers on avoiding a hellacious hit. I mean, Manning did it for a pretty good while, too. Well, he just gets rid of the ball. I mean, yeah. he's not hes not worried. See, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is 
maybe a little overcautious in terms of taking chances out yeah. there. That's been the knock on Rodgers. Of course, yeah. his interception rate is so, so low, it's well, ridiculous. Yeah, like two a couple years ago? Yeah, I mean, he, he holds the NFL record by a mile yeah. in interception rate. But some of the critics out there say, well, maybe he needs to take a few more chances if he wants to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> He's going to have to now. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, Speaking of chances, Ohio State's looking for some life. There's about 11 minutes to play in their season. They're down 12 to Villanova. 55-43 is the score. Villanova's controlled this game for the most part. Now they're only down by 10, 55-45. Houston won today. They beat up on Illinois, winning by 15. That was a four-point lead for the Cougars at the end of the first half when they opened things up. Michigan State and Duke is going to be on tap. That game should get underway in about 45 minutes from now. Then Iowa State and Wisconsin. The nightcap will feature Arizona and TCU. Uh, NBA uh, heavy menu as well. Away from all that, guys, Major League Baseball. Mentioned Trevor Story going to the Red Sox. Matthew Boyd signs a one-year deal with the Giants. Kent Maeda, 60-day injured list for the Twins. Uh, Broncos are restructuring the contract for Colton Sutton. You guys have mentioned Rashad Penny. Uh, one more year in Seattle. It's a wild offseason for the National Football League. Does it ever no stop? No doubt. No. No, really no we, we haven't had any kind of mischief yet, have we? Usually we get mischief. Well, Spring, no mischief. Summertime. Well, you, well, we, we have the Deshaun Watson No, I mean, situation. but new, yeah. new mischief. No, I mean, it's coming. We know that. And, and it's, and, well, I, you know, one thing we have not talked about, guys, is the Colin Kaepernick situation. Uh, yeah. It's still... There's a it's flicker. It's very much alive. It's it's alive, and we were talking about the Seattle Seahawks, right? I mean, Pete right Carroll now they addressed have, it. They have Drew Locke, uh, who they got in the deal with the Broncos. Everyone knows that he's not a long-term answer. He's going to maybe be the uh, placeholder for a very short amount of time. I, I mean, I don't. I mean, is is the Kaepernick situation, Rich, far enough removed from the peak of its hullabaloo? Where if you're Seattle and you want to roll the dice right now and sign Kaepernick just to see if there really is anything left for a guy who hasn't played since 2016, is it worth the risk at this point with Kaepernick? Is it worth the risk? Look, here. here's what I'll say is you, you still, if you sign Colin Kaepernick, you're going to own a double-edged sword, you know, on the one side of the sword. You have a guy who potentially you could sign for a, a relatively small amount of salary mm -hmm. who could potentially still have a tremendous upside from an NFL standpoint. We don't know. We, we have no idea. But the other side of the sword is the world's press shows up at your door. And because whether – whether you like the fact or not, the fact is he is a very polarizing character, you know, and he's drawn a very uh, thick line in the sand and, and it's a stand with or against situation. And, and whether you support it or you don't, whether you, you throw in with the mission and, and the sentiment and the, the cause or you don't, if you're a general manager 
you're not evaluating it from that standpoint. You're evaluating it from a standpoint of your locker room, of the public relations circumstances, and how much it gives your football team from a talent on the playing field situation. And I still think that general managers across the league are going to balk at the opportunity to sign him because they're worried about what all the other intangibles are going to look like when he signs. I have to admit, I'm sort of evolving on this because I've sort of changed my mind a little bit on the Kaepernick situation. In terms of whether or not he gets signed? More on whether or not it's worth the risk. Hmm. I just feel like time has played itself out. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that – remember, when we were talking, even as recently as a couple of years ago, it was still a firestorm. And there's no question here, – here again, here's always the problem when you sign Kaepernick. So it becomes an immediate big story. All right, Kaepernick is going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL. Now, football people, hardcore football people say, look, let's be realistic here. Even when he was playing back in – and in the last couple of years in the 49ers, he didn't win a lot of games as a starting quarterback. So if you think of him at his peak, that's one thing. But in the last couple of years, he wasn't playing at the highest level. People would know that. They also know that it's it's a long shot, right? The guy's been removed from the game. The game has changed over the last few years. Does he really fit in today's game? We talk about you really need a quarterback that needs to be a high-percentage passer, and that was never Kaepernick's game. He's a below 60% career passer in the NFL. Does that play in 2022? Football people know all this. Now, the non-football people that are just interested in the name Kaepernick would say this. All right, you sign him. He's going to be your starter. Or you sign him, we're going to see him play. And if you bring him in and you determine that he's just not NFL ready and you release him, all hell breaks loose. Two years ago, I would have absolutely said that would happen. I'm not so sure it would happen now. Uh, to be to be honest with you, if you're Seattle and you really want to kick the tires to see if there's something there, I think the harm done would be much less now than it would have been a couple of years ago. I don't disagree with that, um, but also I'm not a fortune teller. I don't know what it's going to look like when or if he does sign with the team. And so I think given that uh, uncertainty, you know, just from the standpoint of where we're sitting, we have nothing to lose if the Seattle Seahawks sign Colin Kaepernick. We'll report on it. We'll discuss it. We'll uh, we'll have our opinions about whether or not it's going to work from an on-the-field situation or how it's looking from a public relations situation. But you got to remember, there's a general manager on the other side of that transaction whose job relies on getting it right when you sign players and that's both from you know the that's from every side of it that's from the talent on the field side of it the character off the field side of it what they what they do to your locker room um how they comport themselves in the media and what um the public relations backlash or interest is going to be and again this isn't coming from a place where i don't think colin kaepernick should be signed if there's a talented enough football player anywhere he should be signed to play if if there i mean look i mean he's not being charged by 22 separate women of civil sexual misconduct or assault 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like he's got a rap sheet that people are waiting with bated breath to, uh, you know, resolve itself. It's it's a completely different circumstance. So I'm I'm curious. I I like you think that time has uh, changed the conversation. I'm very curious though, and I th- and I'm doubtful as to whether or not general managers and front offices across this league are going to be interested in signing him? My guess is no, but I would like to be proven wrong. Uh, Gascon, you want to jump in here? Yeah, you guys mentioned quarterbacks. How about this for protection? For one, Joe Burrow gets Lyle Collins from the Dallas Cowboys. He just uh, finalized a deal with them, so he's no longer a Dallas Cowboy, according to Adam Schefter. Mm. So. Did Let's Case see. Keenum move as Dallas well? Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Bills. Did the Bills pick up Case Keenum? There's certain names. So, yeah, they did. The Bills uh, picked up Case yeah. Keenum. Um, is it amazing quarterbacks? I mean, what is there a better job on the planet, Rich, than being a backup quarterback in the NFL? I mean, you 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 could just keep your name floating out there for. Well, look at your former roommate. Oh, Brian, uh, Brian Hoyer. Hoyer. Yeah, your former roommate with the Patriots got yet another deal with the Patriots. Another two years, four million. <laughs> you know, he spent most of his career backing up Brady, and now he's backing up Mac Jones. And look, if there's one thing you could say about a backup quarterback, he's got to be a team guy. He's got to be um, a, a, a nurturing voice in the room. Whether or not you have a, a, a Hall of Famer like Tom Brady. Or you have a young kid like Mac Jones cutting his teeth at the league level. So, yeah, Brian Hoyer's living that dream life, man. Holding a clipboard, wearing the headset, wow. not getting hit every Sunday and still cashing in some huge checks. And Case Keenum the same. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. By the way, though, going back to the Lyle Collins um, uh, signing by the Bengals in the draft. Because they've already... Just this offseason, and it's we're still a month away from the NFL draft, added two guards, a tackle. I, I mean, do they draft an offensive lineman? Do they need to at this point? They've completely rebuilt this offensive line in free agency. By the way, I'm always amazed that the Browns didn't go back to Hoyer. Do you know he had a winning record as a starting quarterback with the Cleveland Browns? He was 10-6. and six. Think about that. How many quarterbacks that played more than one start? Well, the Cleveland Browns actually had a winning record. Brian Hoyer was that rare exception back in the day. Yes, Sam, you wanted to jump in? Why am I drawing a blank here? But he played at Oregon State, and he had that one uh, Derek uh, Anderson. Derek he had that 1-10-6 and six season That's back right. in the day. Derek Anderson. Missed There's out on the, uh, missed out on the yeah, playoffs. Well, we'll yeah, see if that? Deshaun Watson. I think, uh, Romeo Cornell was their coach. Yeah, let's see. Derek Anderson, let's see what that was. 10-5, and five, actually. 10-5. Oh, and, oh, and uh, that was back in 07. Yes, and they missed out uh, But then he came back 3-6 and six and 3-4. Yeah, and four. Never had that. Uh, he actually magic. overall was 16-18 and 18 with Cleveland. <sighs> But close, close. But I'm just saying, yeah, that one like one ma- miracle year, year yeah. back in the day. All right, coming up on the other side, we got a lot of games still to come today in March Madness as we get the field set for the Sweet 16. We're going to give you our upset predictions. Mine are never right. Coming up next, Steve Harvey, Rich Arnberger, Fox Sports Sunday. Want to thank rock. the crew today, starting with Iowa Sam. It's been a beatdown. And yet he's held up. I can up. take it. Yeah. He can take punch after punch after punch. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's I mean, just like Iowa. Though <laughs> <laughs> that. Well, they got knocked out, yeah. so he's still yeah. standing. I'm That's still standing, as Elton John would say. Yeah. But you know, it, a lot of people think that sometimes guys are too hard. I mean, it's a little pro wrestling here. 
Yeah, it, it, it is. We're, we're usually bit. chaps behind a little, the scenes. A little theater, yeah. Uh, yeah. unless, yeah. of course, we're talking about David Gascon, yeah. uh, who's got some meaning well, behind every punch. I, uh, no I holds must, barred. I must say, in all truth, we did the show for, what, four hours today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was exceptional for four hours. There it is. Uh, you got a lot of fanboys that just come racing after to protect you, Iowa Sam. It's amazing. <laughs> Like yeah. these guys just lick your toes. And it's it's disgusting. I who like, they they want to buy your underwear or something. It's really wow. odd. You're really like raunchy tweeting, now. Retweeting, and mm-hmm. I I don't get it, Steve and Rich. All it's right, just, well, uh, it's I called you a son of a bee on Twitter, and now now you're coming after me, big. And time. then we have the uh, world's most famous arbitrator. That would be Ryan, our producer, uh, trying to yes. keep peace. Trying to keep peace, Ryan. Always appreciated your efforts to try to hold this uh, ship together. Thank you, thank you. And uh, not an ounce of theater when uh, you guys talk about me keeping the peace and being a, a bodyguard. Nope, and nope definitely not. All, he but, is uh, the glue guy the to this bouncer. locker room. Uh, I, I will not let up though until I get a full story about your Saturday nights. I <laughs> oh, know. Yeah. Uh, until we get that, I'm, I'm going to hold back. By the way, if I'm Cole picturing, can- I'm picturing they involve chaps and stages. That's Something. my guess. There's, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of layers to those Saturday nights. <laughs> Uh, by the way, if cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. And speaking of Indeed, with the tournament in full gear, be sure to check out the Bracket Challenge standings at FoxSportsRadio.com for Fox Sports Radio's million-dollar Bracket Challenge powered by Indeed. Well, a game that appeared to be over is not Ohio State has come back in this game against Villanova, and Villanova's lead is down to 62-59. to uh, We're inside four minutes to go right now. Villanova just upped it with a two-pointer to go at five. Uh, so as we look at the rest of these games, Rich, uh, six more games on the slate today before we find out the final brackets for the Sweet 16. Uh, a number seven seed Michigan State taking on Duke, 11 Ohio State going against the three seed Wisconsin. You look down this list, what is the most likely lower seed to win one of these six remaining games today? All right. Let me see. Let me see. I'm on TSPN.com right. to pull you this got, up. You got uh, nine versus one. There's that Texas team you had against yeah. Purdue. Uh, Miami, a 10 seed going against the two seed Auburn. Notre Dame, 11 versus the. Not in love with that one. Which one of the lower seeds remaining? I'm going to say Ohio State. (laughs) Going with Ohio State. (laughs) All right. I'm going to say Texas because I have them advancing. I'm sticking to it. Texas. Texas, it is. It, what do we got? A 5:40 tip off Pacific, 8:40 mm-hmm. Eastern time. Yep, that's the one, boys. I I am going to lean Iowa State. I just feel with all wow. that this man has been through today, Iowa Sam, that he's going to have at least a little bit of a smile come, uh, especially to knock out Wisconsin. One of your big yeah. rivals in the Big Ten. If, if that happens, it'll be an ugly, low-scoring game. Because the question is, does the Iowa State Cyclones head coach get in a fight with um, mm. the dude from Wisconsin? Greg Gard, Howard, yeah. yeah. TJ Otzelberger versus Greg Gard. I don't think so. Don't Who think do you that. take in that fight, though? I'd probably take TJ Otzelberger. He's a little, he's he, he's swole. 
Mm. He's small. Okay. He's a little younger too. Yeah, Guard yeah. is not exactly an intimidating figure, is he? I don't know. I mean, he, he looks more like a high school with... principal. I mean, he does. <laughs> I mean, when he, when he was standing there with Juwan Howard, it's like really he's you're like gonna, eight inches yeah. taller. Than you, him. I looks mean, like he should have been I mean, calling you're, you're, screech you're, into his office, right? Like you're grabbing Juwan <laughs> Howard's arm, like really? You you're picking a fight <laughs> with him? Uh, that seems crazy. All right, Rich. Uh, great stuff as always. Uh, five more days before this marathon ends for you. <laughs> That's uh, right. Keep it here on Fox. Sports Radio.